prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So, so thankful that you're spending your time with us. You could be doing a million other things, but I want to thank you so much for tuning into to our show. Um, we, we've got uh, we've got a great hour planned for you. Really, two of my favorite people, Terry McCarthy and Brittany Pettibone. You know them separately. I believe this is their first time together. They have a radio, or a, uh, I'm sorry, a radio, a, a broadcast, uh, Virtue of the West. If you go to hagmanreport.com, check the program description. All the links are there. But uh, two of my favorite citizen journalists, citizen researchers, very effective at what they do. Again, Tara McCarthy, uh, known as, uh, you, you'll know her from Reality Calls, and Brittany Pettibone. The other half of, uh, the Pet- or one of the Pettibone sisters and a great fiction author, a great author. And of course, all, again, all the links are right there in our program description. I have to excuse me. I think I'm losing my voice again, but what are you going to do? Portion Nice Broadcast brought to you by Policy Genius. It's policygenius.com. Let me spell that for you. P-O-L-I-C-Y. Genius, G-E-N-I-U-S dot com, policygenius dot com. You're looking for life insurance, don't have it, that's the place to go. Policygenius.com. More on that later. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's get things rocking. Yeah, it's been a, a interesting week, and we're going to be continuing to get into what we've been getting into uh, the last few nights, the Pizzagate investigation, and a, a few other things with... Uh, Tara McCarthy, McCarthy and Brittany Pettibone. Their podcast, Virtues of the West, is available at tspettibone.com. Um, Brittany, Tara, welcome. Thank you. So we, we, we've got, we've got, uh, half the globe, half the planet covered. Uh, Tara, you're in London right now. Yeah. Right? Where it's yeah. late or early. And of course, Brittany, you're on the West Coast. So it's, <laughs> you. Yeah, not bad. It's only four. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Well, it's great to have you both. Uh, who wants to start first and tell us about your your broadcast, Virtue of the West? I think that uh, let, let our audience know what you're doing and, and uh, kind of how this came about and what to expect because I do. I have seen it, of course, uh, on YouTube, and I think it's just fantastic. So, who wants to start? Who wants who wants to feel that one? You want to take it off, Tara? <laughs> oh, I think you're better explaining. Okay, well, so we got into it. Um, Tara has a show called Reality Calls, and she actually had me on the show for an interview. And by the end of it, we kind of decided that we wanted to launch something, uh, some kind of show based around, you know, more traditionalism, like traditional values, 
Um, but it's very broad. So we'll talk about a lot of things ranging from like traditional values to like Islam. Like we had Tommy Robinson on and we talked about Islam or Lauren Southern and we talked about like, um, you know, anti-feminism, um, and you know, more, a more traditional role for like women, just things like that. So we have a, a range of guests, but from all across the, the right wing. So, um, many different people, um, you know, from, uh, across the right wing that we have on. So we have a whole long list of people that we're going to have on, and we've been having a great time so far. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much how it, how it came to be. But, um, we, yeah, we just did it on a whim, and uh, it's been going great so far, though. Okay. Uh, now, Tara, if I can ask you this question. When you get into subjects like, like Islam, for example, based on your physical location and the laws of mm-hmm. your country, mm-hmm. how do you work that out? Um, balance that. You know how you just have to be very careful about how you say things, and um, I, like I know there are certain things I can't say. Obviously, <laughs> won't say those. Um, but then again, there's a lot of ambiguity about what some things maybe you can kind of get away with saying. So it's quite frustrating. Um, but generally speaking, at the moment, um, it's great because I just you know the guests the guests say it all. <laughs> gotcha. So so you're you've got that level of insulation. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe. What, what's happening in the UK or what has happened in the UK, uh, it could very well happen in the United States when we talk about, uh, about Islam and untouchable subjects. My goodness. Okay. But, but it's, it's, so when, where can people see it? When can people see it? How, what's the frequency of your program? At this point, we're dropping a new podcast um, once a week, every Tuesday, and you can get it on iTunes or SoundCloud for audio, and then you can go to our YouTube channels, Tara has one, and then I have one as well, where we post the same videos, we just have our own channels, and we actually have video of them as well, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I'm glad you two have... Have come together and um, together you're well independently you're a formidable force but together uh, I believe both of you can move mountains I'll tell you that so and get to the truth of things speaking of truth what's going on with the situation with Pedigate we spoke with Sean from SGT report yesterday we had Angela on uh, two days in a row uh, first day we had her on uh, we introduced her, introduced her to our audience, and then right after that, her Twitter account was suspended. Um, she she was known as uh, Pizzagate Angela, and of course they suspended her or completely blew out her Twitter account. So we had her on again yesterday, and we, again we had uh, Sean from SGT report. So, so where do we find ourselves? Where do you find your researcher? Where are you where's where are you at with respect to Pizzagate larger? Pedogate and things of that nature to whoever wants to take that question. Um, well, obviously, the great thing is that Trump has come out publicly. He said that um, he's vowing to fight the ec- epidemic of human trafficking. And what a lot of people don't realize, when they hear the word human trafficking, they don't really think about the people behind that. And the the, the majority of people behind the term human trafficking are women and children um, being prostituted against their will, so being s- turned into sex slaves. So that is that is what human trafficking is um, most of the time. Um, and tr- Trump has specifically said that he's going to 
um, crack down on this, and he has been doing so. We've seen unprecedented numbers of crackdowns uh, across the U.S. So this is really good news. Um, and also, a lot of people don't realize, but when you tighten up border control, you're also, in a sense, deterring human trafficking because a lot of these kids being shipped in from places like Haiti or South America where, you know, they're not really going to be missed so much because obviously law enforcement just isn't um, so good, you know. That's a great point, by the way. Border enforcement does have the collateral effect of of, uh, controlling or, or affecting, adversely affecting, uh, human trafficking to some extent. And that, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And if I can ask, um, to continue off the point you made, why do you believe that the, um, the human trafficking and, and the, uh, trafficking rings, the, the amount of arrests that we've seen in, in the short space of time in the last three months, it's over 1500, I believe, uh, or more. Um, we just went over the numbers, I think, last week. But do you think this is something to do with Trump being in office? Do you think this is something to do with people becoming more aware of the problem and looking to go after it? Or um, what, what would you guys say is the reason for that? Yes, absolutely. I think Trump is making this a priority. And like you said, there's been over 1,500 in the past four weeks, I think it's been. Uh, and, in like for example, in 2014, there were less than 400 sex trafficking-related arrests in the entire year. So something big is going on. There is a an actual movement. Um, uh, it's there. You know, it's very deliberate. You know, going after. Um, you know, bringing down pedophile rings all across the U.S. You have them. Um, you know, there was one in L.A. There was one in Tennessee, Texas. They, they've been all over. So you just, yeah, you have to, you have to, you know, um, think that something is going on. Definitely, I think it has to be Trump. All right. Well, well, Brittany, are we seeing, and could it be domestically we are seeing, um, the natural progression of the investigation of the 650,000 emails by the NYPD task force, where, where Anthony Weiner, of course, was the focus of that investigation, so, so are you saying that we, we're kind of seeing perhaps some collateral effects from that investigation? Uh, I would actually say that, that that very well may could be. I mean, of course, I can't say 100%, but I would actually um, bet on that, actually, that um, Anthony Weiner, has, his laptop has informed a lot of these things going down because as soon as that was you know, they got a hold of that. A lot of these things, you know, have been happening happening right after. I know there was a big pedophile bust, like, right after. Um, this was several weeks ago. But um, this is something I've been kind of actually thinking about and, and speaking about with um, some people I know about this whole, you know, people call it Pizzagate, and then Pedogate is, you know, more of an international, like, global um, sex trafficking. Um you know, we were we were questioning. Okay, why is it that there are so many people in positions of power that that potentially have you know inclination toward pedophilia? Why, you know, why it's it's just kind of weird that all of them or so many of them would have that inclination. So we were kind of you know talking about it, and something a kind of theory that we we've, we've devised is that maybe. It's more of like a global blackmail ring. It's more of like a, a behavioral platform being used to compromise people of power and influence, you know, so that 
you can get them to do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get them to do. You know, so um, let's say you were like a powerful lobbyist in D.C. You could use this to get people, you know, in compromising positions so you could be more effective in like lobbying the government to get laws passed, you know, that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Or, I mean, you could even have control this way over other world leaders and exposing it could bring down, you know, people at the highest echelons of power and influence here. So I just think that it, that's more likely than all of these people just happen to having, you know, an inclination towards pedophilia and child sex trafficking. But, um, you know, you never know. Let me ask this, wow. this hypothetical. Um, because I've been wondering this the last few days, if it was a blackmail ring, let's say um, a leader of a foreign country um, was, was caught up in this, and would they be? Would it be effective? We'll say if they didn't have a, a foreign leader of another nation in a compromising position to release a video, um, you know, of an indecent act between them and a child. Or would people now? Or would it be ineffective now because people are so familiar with with this case and and a lot of people believe that it is a blackmail ring? Would they be able to effectively yeah, does, release does a exposure, video? Does exposure right. erode the effectiveness? That's interesting because I wonder if a lot of the normalization of pedophilia that we're seeing, and we're seeing it across the Western world, we're, we're seeing politicians saying, well, like in the UK, actually, we just had, um, yeah, Sky News, low-risk pedophiles should not be locked up, police chief says. You know, so they're now saying, oh, very low-risk pedophiles, you know, even if they commit a crime such as um, trading child pornography, we, we don't need to lock them up. They're fine. So it's like they're slowly kind of saying, it's okay, this is fine. And it does make you wonder, maybe it's because the police chief or some other political um, people are pedophiles and they're worried about being exposed, so they want it to become normalized before that happens. Interesting. And something that... Something actually that might help normalize it is also, you know, importing all this Islam because pedophilia is normal in their, you know, religion, ideology, ideology, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they can be with children, um, just as long as they like reach puberty. So like age nine, you know, even they can be with children. That to us is pedophilia, but to them it's normal. So. Wow. That, that's an interesting take on this. And there was an article on, on Dredge I saw today. Islam set to overtake Christianity uh, by 2050 or something like that, uh, or by the end of the century. I couldn't remember what it was, but this is exactly, uh, I think both of you make good points, um, specifically with, with Islam, uh, because they allow this to, to be part of their culture, and it is normal. And we see, you know, as you said, the normalization of the uh, pedophilia and pedophilia-type behavior. And, and you mentioned a, a police chief in, in the U.K., um, I don't know how many of you saw, was it Chris Cuomo from CNN um, was just caught up in a, a little Twitter controversy saying if you don't like your young daughter to see male genitalia in a locker room, you have a tolerance problem and, and your daughter is the problem and you're not tolerant enough to, to teach her the right way. I mean, we see all these in, in the Vatican, too. Uh, the Pope just recently reduced the uh, sentences of a number of, of priests who were um, involved in pedophilia and pedophilia scandals and said they deserve mercy and they should have a punishment of prayer. Um, right. And it's very weird to see it across the board, from newscasters to police officers to the Pope. All of them are acting like they want to normalize the pedophilia. It's very concerning. Hmm. 
No question. Yeah, and, and this is something, that, and, and I'm going to just ask for both of your opinions. Uh, Tara first, I, I suppose, because of the somewhat cultural differences between the United States and the U.K., or Europe, I should say, to be more accurate, in the U.K., um, well, okay, my question is kind of a broad one. Uh, we have been focusing on this, this topic of investigation really hard lately, very intensely lately, because it seems to be not just a cultural issue, but Brittany, as you mentioned, uh, could, this could very well be involved in blackmail, bribe, compromise, corruption, whatever it might be. It could be a tool. But, 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 but Tara, um, is this a big deal over in Europe or, 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 or not? I, I guess that was one of my questions of several. Okay, the crazy thing is that we have our former Prime Minister Ted Heath, Edward right. Heath, um, who has been linked, um, I think it's by... A, pol- a policeman came out and said basically that he believes that he's linked to uh, a murderous pedophile ring that killed 16 kids, okay? And this is stuff that's being reported in absolute mainstream media. The weirdest part is no one talks about it. Like, it's just like a non-issue um, that's just kind of like quietly disclosed in the media, like it's their duty to disclose it kind of thing. Um, but this is insane. I mean, he's a former... Prime Minister, this is like the most powerful man in the country. Um, was involved in a in a sex cult and linked to murdering children as part of it. Wow, and and, and it's kind of acknowledged, but not. There's no focus. no outrage. Yeah, it's no outrage. it's just kind of like no response. Really, you don't really see anyone. Um, and the other strange thing is that there have been people such as someone who was previously viewed as a wild conspiracy theorist, David Icke, oh, yeah. uh, who is a British man, um, who has been trying to warn of this for over 20 years, and Jimmy Savile and Ted Heath, Edward Heath. And he's been trying to warn of this, but no one believed him. He was He was totally, like... He was totally ridiculed all over the mainstream media for decades. Like, he was just always the person that everyone pointed at and laughed at, basically. And now what he said about these men being pedophiles, it looks like it's absolutely true. Oh, okay. We saw the same thing with, with Andrew Breitbart. Um, yeah. You know, with him, what he said in his in his Twitter. February 11. Exposing John Podesta, you know, saying... That how John Podesta isn't a household name for um, child sex trafficking is uh, is beyond me or something like that. February 4th, 2011, in his infamous Twitter uh, yeah. tweet about uh, Podesta being this this uh, uh, essentially this uh, this progressive monster monster. And I have a question about the the why we don't see this in the news. Do you believe that it is um, just a like a unspoken rule? In the news agencies, or do you think this is more of editorial controls? Oh yeah, we, we got we got some qu- boy buckle in because we got some questions about all about this too. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, do you think it's an individual stations editorial controls, or is this more of a um, widespread 
don't go there zone. I think it's a widespread don't go there zone, unless of course it fits their narrative and helps move it forward. Like you saw with Milo Yiannopoulos, how um, you know those remarks about pedophilia that he made that were inappropriate. How the whole entire mainstream media was talking about it, and suddenly the left all cared about pedophilia. It was the closest thing to their hearts, you know, bringing it down, and it was horrible. You know, even Jake Tapper was like decrying it as you know this horrible crime, which it is, of course, but. Then when someone on the left is potentially tied to this, they don't seem to care. Or it's, it's a bizarre conspiracy theory and it couldn't, it couldn't possibly be true. Um, they won't even interrogate the, you know, the information that is put forth about it. So it's just interesting that to compare that, their reaction to, mm-hmm. to people who are on their side that could potentially be involved or people who are on the right, then they'll go after them. So. So, so I, if what I'm hearing, uh, what Brittany's saying, or what, what Tara had said in the UK, in Europe, it, it's there, but not, not a whole lot of outrage. And Brittany, same thing, but not a lot of outrage on the Convenient progressive outrage. side. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are, you know, with average citizens and even leftists, you know, there are, there are a lot of leftists I know that are involved in Pizzagate and that are helping to investigate just because they genuinely believe that there's something to be found there. So, but I'm talking like mainstream media. Right. They, okay. they have all just, you know, sliced it down as, you know, a complete conspiracy theory without even looking at any of the information and evidence that has been, um, brought forward. So. Okay. Well, well, Brittany, now I'll ask you this. In the, in, in the triage of news headlines, where does Pizzagate, Pedigate fall, uh, when it's, when we compare it to things like, uh, the Islamic uh, infiltration and terrorist attacks or the, the border that's tied to the same, um, or any number of other issues? Where does that fall in terms of importance, at least by your perception here in America? And worldwide. I think it's one of the absolute most important because, I mean, we have suspicions that this is a global network. And if it is, this could bring down the potentially the high, you know, the highest ranking people in the world, some of them. So I think that that is pretty important. It's one of the most, it'll affect many governments perhaps, including our own. And um, I think it's one of the most important, alongside, of course, I think immigration is huge. But um, okay. this is probably bigger. Well, well, well Tara, do you, do you agree with that assessment from your vantage point in the U.K.? Yeah, I mean, like Brittany says, it's really a global thing. Um, I don't even look at it is a separate issue at all. It's like the same things happening in Australia. I have people messaging me from Norway. I have people messaging me from Sweden and just about every, every, um, developed country basically. I have people contacting me and saying this exact thing happened. It's, you know, not only that, one of the things that the police use, and I'm sure you're aware of this kind of method is, you know, these matching stories coming from different people, different areas, and it's like people can't just spontaneously make this stuff up and then it all kind of match from one place to another. It seems like 
um, it's all connected. And we we certainly agree, a hundred percent. Have either one of you? And we've got about a minute to the break. Um, have either one of you experienced any kind of disruption to your social networking, be it uh, well, regardless of your platform, um, because of your discussion of this? I've actually pulled back from tweeting about too much Pizzagate because I know that my account will just be suspended. So I generally tweet things when there are like pedophile busts, like actually verified and substantiated busts, then I'll always tweet about those or, you know, in ongoing investigations, things like that. But actually my GoFundMe was shut down. I, I started one to for $400 to help fund the podcast that Tara and I were starting. And it was, I was banned from the service. And um, I found out later that, um, one of the, I, the main, the, either, I think he was the owner of GoFundMe. He actually tweeted about the, um, Comet Ping Pong GoFundMe. He personally tweeted about it. You know, they had a whole GoFundMe campaign for Comet Ping Pong. He, he personally tweeted about that and was like, you know, donate to this. So I just, I felt like maybe, maybe, I'm not, I can't say for sure, but it could have been kind of revenge there because I was doing so much in Pizzagate. And there were a couple of mainstream media articles they wrote about me too, you know, calling me a white a white nationalist and then also saying that, you know, making fun of me for being a, a Pizzagate researcher. So I, I think I had something to do there. It just kind of felt like it was connected. So understood. Tara, have you been have you been experiencing any kind of harassment or molestation? Well, the one thing I'm really concerned about with social media at the moment um, is. Twitter has spent the past two weeks introducing what I consider to be like stifling crackdowns. Basically, what what they're doing is they're preventing. I can only t- talk about my own experience of those of, who shared their experience with me, but it seems that they are uh, preventing about fifty percent, sometimes more, of people's replies yes. being viewed by me. So I can't even interact with my audience, which is kind of the point of social media. So it's really, I just, and now we're actually saying over the next week, they're rolling out even more. It's all done by like algorithm and keywords and targeting. Yeah, there's an article today on Yahoo News that talked about Twitter on Wednesday launched a wider effort to use algorithms to identify accounts as potentially engaging in abusive behavior. Um, Twitter, like Facebook, have long relied on users to report abuse, but now they were report or using um, technology through algorithms uh, specifically for um, accounts and flagging its content by this technological uh, advancement. And I'll post this to our website, the Hagman Report. Um, but yeah, it is uh, definitely very intrusive and concerning because computers obviously uh, don't can't put things into the, into the proper context. So it looks like they're going after certain words or phrases. Folks, we're talking with Brittany Pettibone and, and Tara from Reality Calls, and we'll be right back with them after this short break. Stay with us. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Of the Hagman Hagman Report, very special guest, Tara McCarthy. You know her from Reality Calls, Brittany Pettibone. You know her from, oh, she's an author, Hatred Day series, fiction author. Both excellent citizen uh, journalists and researchers. Together, they have a weekly broadcast podcast, Virtue of the West, and I would urge everyone to support them. Seriously. Um, of course, the last time, they had a they had a GoFundMe account that was that was unceremoniously taken down. It's interesting how the censorship does work. Uh, they are in fact deserving of our support. Before we get back to our guests, I had mentioned earlier about PolicyGenius.com. You know something? I, life insurance that's been on my mind lately. Uh, gee whiz! Considering some of the topics that we talk about, I, I guess that would be. Well, let me ask you folks, do you have life insurance? If you don't, why not? Is it too expensive or is it, do you consider it a hassle? If you don't have life insurance, what would happen to, to your family financially if something happened to the 
primary earner of your family, if that was you. Well, life insurance is a good idea to protect the ones around you, but where do you go for the best prices, the best policy, with the best service? We have that place. Here it is, policygenius.com. It's the best online life insurance marketplace on the planet. They have the most accurate quotes from the top A-rated life insurance companies. Policy Genius has placed over a couple of billion dollars in life insurance for people just like you and me. They've got a really simple, simple user interface. It's friendly. I've used it. I've checked rates, compared rates. This is the easiest thing to do. Guys, let me tell you, this is easy and as responsible as conservatives, as Christian conservatives. This is responsible. This is the responsible thing for you to do. And while you're there at policygenius.com, you got to check out their other insurance offerings, including pet insurance. That's right, lady, the studio dog. Let me ask you, lady, are you well insured? She's just over there snoring, actually. Uh, <laughs> health insurance, the other insurance products. Folks, go to policygenius.com today and save over 40%. That's right, 40% off of other prices for life insurance. When life insurers compete for your business, you win. You save money. That's Policy Genius, P-O-L-I-C-Y, Genius, G-E-N-I-U-S dot com, PolicyGenius dot com. No complex language, no sales pressure, no hassle. It's all there for you. PolicyGenius dot com. That's PolicyGenius dot com. It's linked off of HagmanReport dot com. And we're talking with uh, Tara McCarthy and uh, Brittany Pettibone. Go to tspettibone.com and bookmark that site there. You can get access to their podcast, Virtue of the West, as well as all the other information um, that Absolutely. they have uh, been putting together there. Um, there, there, there. There are four episodes in the can recorded, done. They're good together, too. you got to watch. They're good together. So, And they've got some exciting people coming up. So just to be clear, uh, Brittany, I'll, I'll ask you this. For people to support your broadcast so you can keep going because it's, ex- it's expensive, uh, where, 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 where can people go to help? Um, Tara and I actually have separate ones. So if you just go for mine, if you go to tspettybone.com, I have a Virtue of the West page with, you know, um, all the information about um, supporting. Um, and then also my book there, Hatred Day. Uh, that I co-wrote with my twin sister. So um, either or, it, whichever you're interested in, would be wonderful. And then Tara has um, reality um, realitycalls.com, or is it realitycallshow? realitycallshow.com slash donate is where my links are. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we like to we, – we do urge people to support you. I mean, you, you guys are doing phenomenal work. Well, um, Tara, I'll, I'll go to you first. What is there anything new that we, uh, or anything most important about Pizzagate? And, and we can move on from this topic, but, uh, or the, the Pedogate, aside from what we've already spoken about, uh, and aside from the censorship, is there anything more that we should be looking at? What, um, at this point, given the fact that we're really a, what are we, about a quarter of the way, uh, this is March first, so we've we got two full two full months in, in the can. Uh, this is March first, so but, but I, given the the time here, it seems like we've had a lot of time since the initial 
exposure to the emails and to this scandal. Um, but having said that, what should we be looking at at this point or focusing on with respect to Pedagate, Pizzagate, if anything, if we, uh, you know, that we haven't already touched? Right. So obviously a lot of people asking this and, and the unfortunate thing is that, um, obviously although people have only recently become aware of this kind of thing, it's been going on for decades. Uh, I believe it's deeply entrenched in a lot of the institutions across the world. I'm talking about the police force. I'm talking about the secret services. I'm, I'm talking about the military. Unfortunately, you know, all over the place. Um, the, the rot goes deep and it goes everywhere. So unfortunately, and I know this is really horrible to have to contemplate, but because we know that there are children actively being harmed and obviously we want it to end as soon as possible, but the reality of the situation is that it's probably going to take some time. Um, even, even if, you know, uh, Trump's people are, are working 24-7 on this, it's going to take some time and I don't imagine it can all be fixed in one year. Um, I think it's probably going to take a bit longer than that and it's going to take some serious strategy um, and very intelligent and dedicated people to make it happen um, yeah, in the government. Yep, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and then obviously we have individuals as well and uh, all we can really do is, is try to tell our friends and family like, look, this is happening. Look at the article. This has happened. This has happened in tr- Toronto. You know, there are hundreds, hundreds of people arrested. I think it was a couple hundred children also taken out of a pedophile ring. This is what's happening in England. You know, this is what's happened in Australia. This does happen. And I believe it's happening in this country too. And we need to take it seriously. Well, okay. I, I totally understand that. Um, and that, that's good. And I think people are just kind of waking up to this. Um, a larger segment, I suppose, on a global level are waking up to this. Brittany, from a domestic perspective here in the United States, or even North America, just saw James Woods send out a, a, a Twitter or a tweet here recently about uh, Podesta. That was recent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was in the last week or two. Yeah. There's been a few he's put out. Yeah, but but Great. go ahead. Um, you know, something kind of to touch on what Tara said, how how difficult it's going to be to bring down. I would agree, also because I think it it's kind of it would almost be like a domino effect. Like it's you know you pull this little thread and so much is going to unravel. It's not like you just bring one person down. I feel like because you know if it's true that this is more of like a blackmail ring. Everyone has dirt probably on everyone, you know, in, in, in order, they do this to kind of like keep control over one another so no one gets out of line. It, it's, um, you know, would be a very effective way to keep control over people. But I think that, uh, you know, whoever actually is pedophiles, I'm sure they know who, uh, you know, um, who else is a pedophile. I'm sure they have that information and, may, uh, and maybe, you know, evidence of it. So it would be a huge mess. You know, um, and it would almost have to be, yeah, it, it, it would take a really long time and be very sensitive. So maybe the reason we're not seeing them just jump on it right away and exposing everything is because they're, they, they're trying to develop a strategy here. Um, I think, and we've also seen kind of with, um, how Julian Assange releases things, he seems to do it, uh, very, 
you know, he does it at the right time. He doesn't just release it all. He releases certain things at specific times. So I think that it also could be maybe a plan they're trying to unravel here. So we'll see, rather than just jumping on it all. So I think that they're aware in our government, um, you know, like Jeff Sessions and stuff away is far more aware than we are of what's really going on. And um, maybe he, you know, hopefully he has a plan to combat it. Well, I hope so. What do you, what do you both think so far of uh, President Donald Trump's performance to date? Uh, uh, Brittany, since you're in the states, I'll, I'll ask you first. Uh, you like what you're seeing so far? Uh, any objections or any concerns? Um, I actually really like what I'm seeing so far. The thing is, it's only been. You know, it hasn't, he hasn't been in office that long, but he's, he's already getting so much done. And I think that there are so many problems with our country that everyone's expecting him to just get it all done, you know, like fix this and this and this and this. And I mean, he's trying his best and he is getting a lot done, but we just have to give him time because there's so much he has to fix. It's just been, you know, that was kind of destroyed by Obama and, you know, through, the Democrats. So, like, he's trying his best, but he, he's kind of fighting the entire world here. Every move he makes is criticized by the the leftists. They just rip him apart for, like, even every tweet he does, even if it's not necessarily anything, there, if there's nothing wrong with it, they'll just find something wrong with it. Um, so he's just meeting um, this intense, um, you know, resistance from the left at every turn. So I think that, yeah, he is doing very well. Um, okay, well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, and you're on the the left coast. It's okay though. But but Batara, your perception from the UK, or the perception of those within the UK and the in in Europe, what are we? What are you seeing with respect to Donald Trump's presence, uh, presidency? Well, of course, we're still having a lot of people who are um, outraged about Donald Trump. You know, they like um, pr- protesting the fact that he's was planning to visit the UK, um, but he's now sort of to pos- postpone the visit uh, because he he wants the like animosity to die down <laughs> before the visit takes place, which is fair enough. Um, he does seem like very strategic and aware person you know he's not only intellectually intelligent but he's also kind of very socially aware and very good at getting people on his side and i think you see that um in the cnn poll results which i saw online uh showing that he's you know he's got the majority support right now um so that's really amazing and i think that he knows that he can get a lot more done if he has a majority of support so it's really great that he's got fun people over on the left as well. And Tara, while we're talking about politics, any thoughts on the upcoming French election? Well, of course I'm hoping that Marine Le Pen wins. Um, It looks like she's in the lead at the moment uh, because her competitor has been exposed for for corruption, allegedly. Um, So yeah, I'm really hoping that she, she does win. I mean, um, I remember, I think, it's just, I think over the past like 10 years, I've kind of seen her like demonized over and over again, like every election season she gets demonized. Um, and it's so funny, you know, it's so funny because they're always going on about like with Hillary Clinton's voice, like the first woman, you know, and, uh, but when it, when the person's on the right, suddenly it doesn't matter if they're female anymore. <laughs> they're still a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They, and yeah. A follow-up question. I'll, I'll ask uh, Brittany this first. The the populism movement that it's been labeled populism movement um, of awake people and, and people who are sick of just the constant liberal agenda from immigration to uh, a lot of the socialist programs. Do you believe that the populism populist movement will continue to um, have influence over election in the the Western countries? Absolutely. I think that something has started here, uh, you know, sort of like with Brexit, then with Donald Trump getting elected, then um, hopefully Marine Le Pen will get elected or will um, Garrett Wilders in the Netherlands. I mean, there it's spreading. A lot of people are waking up, you know, at the same time. Uh, and, yeah, I think they're great. A lot of people see that if they don't stand up now, they're going to, very well might lose their countries, like France to Islam. You know, if Marine Le Pen is not elected, there's a, there's a good chance they're going to lose France. And I think that citizens are finally seeing this. Um, but then, you know, then again, there are so many that are just still even afraid to speak out because of the social repercussions or, you know, they'll be jailed for, you know, saying the wrong thing. Like in Sweden, I know there are so many people that are afraid, but they just won't even say anything because of the, the, the repercussions. So, I mean, it's just, they have to make that decision, though, um, you know, put the fear aside and, and stand up, because the, it might even be too late in some areas, but if they don't now, this is the chance, then they're going to lose lose their countries and become the minority in them. So, yeah, we'll see. Wow. All right. And Tara, from your viewpoint, the, the populist movement that we see, is it as prevalent um I know that the media does a lot of suppression, but are you seeing this uh, over in Europe and in the UK? Yes, yeah. And actually, I'll tell you that uh, despite what you see on the streets, despite what you see in the mainstream media, when you look at actual polls done by big polling companies, it shows that the majority of people in the UK approve of Trump's visit here. Um, and it also shows that the majority of the people in the UK and in several other European countries want a Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. Like that's the majority. That's what the majority of people want. But all you'll see all day long in all of our mainstream media is how terrible this is and how unbelievable it is and rants and rants and raves and rants. Um, and it's absolutely not representative of what most people want. Mm-hmm. Well, it's propaganda. They're showing you the perception of reality. So what they want you to see. And it's not at all true. Like, had you, had you, if you were on Twitter during the day when, you know, Trump's Muslim ban, it wasn't a Muslim ban, but, you know, you wanted that to go through, everyone was losing their minds, and there were, like, protests. You'd think that, ev- that 99% of people were against it. But actually, they were more in favor. So it's just the picture they try to paint, you always have to question that, because it's it's rarely true. <laughs> and, Tara, I'm going to ask you uh, just a follow-up question. Do you guys get the... The paid protesters, like we've been seeing over here, or are—I uh, don't know—I haven't been paying too much attention, but I know that you know people take to the streets quite often uh, there, more so than here, except after this last election. But we've seen a lot of, you know, even the immigration protests at the airport, to the anti-Trump protests after the inauguration, and uh, all over the country, people are being paid to protest. Do you guys see that there? You know, I can't confirm if these people are paid or not. But I can definitely say that it's just the same people. You know, it's we call them social justice warriors. It's just the same people, those people with blonde hair and 
wacky glasses on. <laughs> you know, they're the same ones who just go out on um, protests. It's like a night out for them. They get an adrenaline rush out of it. And this is the very idea of fun, basically. So they'll, they'll go and hold a different sign. You know, they're now actually, I've even seen people um, using like a dry erase marker so they can just wipe it off the sign and then write a new note there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what to call this. There should be a name for it. It's a bit crazy. Yeah, there <laughs> that, should that, be a name That's for handy. That. <laughs> okay. That, 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 that's, wow. That should be a standard, uh, in, in a standard protesters kit here in America, in the paid protesters, a, a dry erase board so you can oh, switch your message, message up to. Uh, uh, Brittany, if I can, if, if we can, that kind of segues into my question for Brittany. Um, where, have you been kind of keeping your eye on the, Organizing for action uh, on the various other groups, the social groups, uh, uh, the fascist groups, anti-fascist groups that are. Yes. What's going on here? Where? where what have you found? Um, because I can tell you what we found, but uh, really, what, what have you found that's? Well, I, I just think that particularly Antifa or you know the anti-fascists are concerning because they're at the point now where they're threatening violence, rape, you know, against just average right-wing or Trump supporters, you know, and calling them Nazis just for basically being a Trump supporter. But they were the ones that you saw at like the UC Berkeley protests that got way out of hand with like where they were beating people, you know, someone almost died, pepper spraying girls, you know, it. They are the ones, they're the violent ones behind this. And they were the ones on Inauguration Day as well. And I do think a lot of it is paid. I think George Soros is behind a lot of it. So, um, yeah, we'll see, though. But, I mean, it's it's in a way, because a lot of people have been talking about Antifa for a while, right. but they didn't really go mainstream. There was not a mainstream awareness of them until, like, UC Berkeley or, you know, the Inauguration riots. So, in a sense, then maybe that would, the, if there is a positive in that, it was that now the entire country is basically aware of them and the threat. Even, you know, Trump tweeted about them. So, Okay, so now do you expect, because, I, boy, I'm concerned about an American spring, like an Arab spring. Brittany, do you expect uh, to see a rocky kind of violent, maybe 70-ish, not that you'd remember 1970, uh, Kent State kind of environment forming here? Yeah, it may be inevitable. I mean, there were, it seemed like there was a point where if you were on the left or the right, you could still be friends. Now, you, it's like pure hatred. The left hates us. It's like they, they haven't lost in so long or something. I think Trump just completely derailed everything they were, you know, betting on. So they just, they cannot take it, this loss. And they hate us more every day. And we just have to acknowledge that. We have to, we have to admit that it's happening and, you know, come face to face with that because they just, they get more and more vitriolic and hateful towards us every day. And I, I can absolutely sing, see it culminating in violence. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll see. Because I mean, so far the right has been largely very tolerant and many of these hate crimes that have happened have been you know, men, most of them have been hoaxes. We've seen so many, you know, people just making up things. So I don't know. I I would say that, that we should anticipate some kind of violence in the future, but hopefully not. Hopefully I just not, at least yeah. be, prepared, be prepared for it, I would say. 
when these flies. Okay. It, it, it's interesting, um, Brittany, i got to tell you, um, I, we have a whole bunch of emails here um, uh, wanting to know, well, congratulating you on the uh, great reviews on Hatred Day series on your book, Hatred Day, Volume 1, that on Amazon. Congratulations. And then Tara, we were getting a bunch of, I see I have, I have a bunch of emails here. Um, a number from the UK not wanting you to leave the UK and a bunch of people huh. from the United States asking when you're coming to the United States. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's been difficult for, um, obviously for me and my fiance to decide like where we're going to settle down. Um, and the reason we chose the US is simply because of a freedom of speech and the gun laws of, of, as well, because, uh, you know, we, we think that those are really important. Um, however, you know, we also really love Europe. So we, we would like to live in Europe. It's just that it's not practical at the moment with the, um, with the very tyrannical authoritarian left, you know. Gotcha. And, and, and Tara, um, we do have someone actually from London, Ontario, not, the UK, wanting your thoughts based on your position, your geographical location. How how close do you see? Well, I I guess I can rephrase this: uh, the election of U.S. President Donald Trump and the New World Order objectives. Just to be clear, uh. This email wants to, the emailer wants to know if you feel, of course, and I, I do suspect you will, that uh, the election of Donald Trump certainly threw a monkey wrench into the plans of the globalist one world order, um, despite perhaps the uh, perception over in Europe and, per, and despite perhaps the um, agenda of the Europeans, right? I mean, it's, uh, he, he, I, I guess this emailer is saying. Oh, you mean with the European Union? Yes. Like, is it going to disrupt that as well? Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been um, speculating this because obviously um, the UK, like a few months before Trump was voted in, we actually won Brexit. So if I remember correctly, it was a few months. I'm not sure. But um, so, so yeah, and obviously Brexit was uh, a slap in the face to the globalists because obviously their plan is to, to have like the United States of Europe because they want to um, consolidate countries. You know, they want us to lose our sovereignty. They want us to have these overlords who we don't even vote for, basically. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't believe anyone would want this. And... Um, and yeah, so, so Brexit's been a slap in the face. Obviously, Nigel Farage and Donald Trump have, have obviously been, um, talking a lot. Um, and Nigel Farage is the one who for the past 20 years has been campaigning for Brexit and finally came through for him. And, um, like without Nigel Farage, we wouldn't have had Brexit probably because he's the only one who really campaigned for this. Um, and yeah, they're obviously working together. I mean, they're, they're having dinner together. <laughs> That's quite obvious. And the other thing is that for the European people, if they see that, like, for example, nationalism is working in the U.S. and it's working in for the U.K., then perhaps they, they'll feel a little bit braver to say, well, look, why can't we do that as well? And actually, I think the U.S. will still give us favorable trade policies. You know, they're not going to um, ostracize us and prevent us from trading with the largest economy in the world, which is the United States. But with Trump at the helm, they're not going to do that. So... That's, 
yeah, it's definitely um, feels very encouraging for Europeans, um, for the Europeans who want sovereign nations to see Donald Trump getting elected. Um, guys, we only have about a minute left. We're talking with Brittany Pettibone and Tara McCarthy. Can can you guys give out um, where to find you, your information yeah, on your podcast, and anything you want to promote upcoming? Yeah, and really quick though, I just want to add before that, um, for anyone who's interested in like the latest information on Pizzagate, Pedogate, um, I've been informed that vote.gov has largely been compromised by like misinformation trolls, so you should check out Steemit instead. It's S-T-E-E-M-I-T. Um, check out that if you're interested in the information. And then, um, for me, you can just check out tspettibone.com. My YouTube channel is Brittany Pettibone, and my Twitter is at Britt Pettibone. You guys won't be sorry, folks. Tara. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, both intrepid investigators, great uh, broadcasters, podcasters. Thank you for everything you do, really. Thank you, guys, for having us. I'll tell you what, we're going to be tuned in uh, to to your podcast, and certainly we will let everyone know. We're going to promote the heck out of what you do because uh, you've got uh, you're both very talented, and uh, we really appreciate your efforts. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Josh Kaplan from VesselNews.io yeah. coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can you can you can. It's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. And go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity. For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
Trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Have we got a great great hour for you lined up. Josh Kaplan, we invited him back. You know, we we got email after email after email saying, "Would you just bring him back for a full hour for crying out loud? What are you doing?" So so absolutely we answered uh that and he's got a lot of information uh how Donald Trump President Donald Trump, what, did you see the his? Uh, did you see his uh, speech to to both uh, uh, aisles of uh, Congress yesterday? Did you watch it? Did, did you see the reception and the and of course the blow up? Of course, folks, we've got two websites: HagmanReport.com, Hagman and Hagman.com, HagmanReport.com for news, information, analysis, Hagman and Hagman.com for the show. Portions of nice broadcast brought to you by. Hello Fresh, the, the number one, in my view, the number one leading meal delivery kit service. You know what? My wife loves this. Oh, does she love this service? And I do too. We get gourmet meals at our house. She doesn't even have to leave the house. It, it comes to you, the meals come to you. All the ingredients measured out, pre-measured, directions, glossy cards, it's great. And of course, um, for the week, you know, three meals uh, for the week and you get different variations of, uh, but it's just fantastic. HelloFresh.com, that's HelloFresh.com. And it's changing the way people are eating. And, uh, I've got to tell you, we have a special offer for you. If you go to HelloFresh.com, for $35 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter our promo code, um, which is, uh, uh, yeah, I got it right here. Well, you know what? More on that later. Let's bring on our guest here. Let's, let's bring on Josh Kaplan, Vessel News IO. Let's bring him on, Joe. Yeah, Josh Kaplan from VesselNews.io is our guest. Josh, yeah. welcome to the back to the program. Thank you for having me. Thanks for, for joining us. Um, where do you want to start tonight? There's so much going on. You mentioned something right before we, we came back on the air. Um, I believe it was about a, was it a journalist whose Twitter, uh, who got fired for some Twitter comments they made about the, um, the Owens mother during the, uh, State of the Union yesterday? So, uh, a Mr. Grillo, who was a former, um, surrogate, or volunteer, however you'd like to put it, for Hillary Clinton, uh, was fired from his position today uh, due to some pretty cretinous tweets that he put out uh, during the uh, joint address. 
uh, calling the uh, fallen seal's widow an idiot uh, for behaving as a political ploy, or I should say, a, you know, political object for Donald Trump. Um, now everybody is entitled to their free speech. He's allowed to say it. Uh, he's entitled to. He has his rights. Um, but then his employer uh, has their rights uh, to let him go. Uh, it'd be very difficult for him to operate in his position, at least for the short term. Who would want to work alongside somebody who made such a negative comment? Uh, there's both, you know, so, uh, societal and 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 financial fallout from keeping a guy like him still employed at the firm. So he was let go. But, I mean, really more importantly, uh, this State of the Union speech was one of the defining moments early on in a Trump presidency that we're going to be talking about for many months going forward. Everybody from CNN to Breitbart to Fox to MSNBC, it was a unanimous decision uh, that he gave a speech that united the people in a way in which many people that were adversaries of him could not believe. It was truly amazing. Yeah, and I've seen some of the clips um, I w- during the show last night, I watched a little bit of it, um, at least the beginning, and, but I haven't gone back through the speech. And I saw that today. Some of the headlines were, um, you know, unifying speech. I think Van Jones said it would be one of the most memorable moments in poli- in American political history. So it's interesting to, to see the response. But one thing I noticed while watching yesterday was you had, uh, I believe the. Um, Republicans are on one side of the aisle and Democrats are on the other. You had um, all the, the a number of Democratic women dressed in white, and then you had uh, there was also stories about the lack of response from um, the Democrats, you know, in in their uh, applause to Trump or the lack thereof, while he was saying things like, uh, "We need to put the American, you know, in America, we need to put American citizens first. You know, the Democrats just sat there and talking about. You know, increasing the economy. There was no. It, it didn't seem so unifying. I guess is my point. At least in the in the first part of of his speech. You didn't think so? No, not what he's saying. I'm saying oh. the response from the, the response the yeah. people in the who were watching from uh, at least on the Democratic side. But I also read later that he was given a standing ovation after the fact. And um, if, did you watch the the State of the Union? Sure. I did. It was a it was a fabulous, fabulous speech. I think like most big Trump speeches, he started off slow, calm, and like a true showman that he is, he built up his energy level. And just as you had touched upon, uh, there were two main stories that came out of this joint address. The first one is how dour, how bitter, how how uh, unresponsive the Democrats were of an amazing speech. Um, not because of the political capital that Donald Trump has accrued because of it, but because of the things that were said. Specifically, um, on VesselNews.io, we curated a story. It was a video of Nancy Pelosi looking extremely, uh, yeah. you know, upset at the fact that Donald Trump made an announcement about the, you know, the amount of jobs that he had created, you know. And, uh, so we had curated that story. As soon as we dropped it, it exploded. We had a ton of traffic because of that. And then as you mentioned, the Van Jones, uh, story, uh, where he went on CNN and said that, that moment where he was, you know, um, he was talking with the, uh, he was showcasing the fallen, uh, seal's widow. Uh, he said that that was the most, one of the most extraordinary moments in American political history. So when we had curated that story from Mediaite and put it on Vessel News, again, we had a huge amount of traffic. So 
Um, you know, the, the, the numbers don't lie. Those two stories, I think, were characteristic of the speech uh, that he gave, that the Democrats are just completely out of touch, uh, don't really matter right now within the political landscape. And the second thing is that Donald Trump knocked it out of the park. Let me ask you this then. Um, moving forward, since we, we saw, uh, we've seen how at odds the media has been with Trump and, and how they've been demonizing him and, and everything he says and does. Do you see this, um, as a, a unifying, or do you think that, that the sediment from last night will continue to move forward with Trump and with his policies? Will it depend on the policies or will things go back to the way they were, you know, just a, a few short days ago? Well, I mean, look, in, in, in terms of, um, tenor, uh, I think Donald Trump is still going to remain uh, the same as he was prior. Uh, I think that he tightened up uh, his normal uh, stature during this speech. Uh, he was more composed. He was more calm. He was more focused and pointed. But I still think he's going to be the freewheeling uh, president that he has been throughout his uh, his duration and then as a candidate before that. So I don't think anything's going to change in terms of his demeanor. Uh, but in terms of his policies, now he's laid them out to the American people, which has been an extension of what he said during the campaign and what he said as president. And with each, you know, moment that goes by putting his ideas and policies out there, the closer his feet will be to the fire to follow up on all of those promises that he's made. How about the uh, the media? Do you think that they're going to um, move forward with a little more um, acceptance of Trump, or do you think they will go back to the very tense and hostile way it was? They'll be even worse. I the better agree. he does, the more angry they will be. You know, and I think that's the plan here. Um, the hostility, and I, I've been, I've been following uh, your website, vesselnews.io, folks. Josh Kaplan is our guest, full hour tonight. I've been following his um, news, and and you really, yeah, I, I can, I can sense where there is this pressure on the progressive side building up. That the more President Donald Trump does correctly, in my view, anyway, or when I say correctly, the perception of the well, no, that's not even the right way to say it. The perception of his effectiveness, the higher that goes, the greater the blowback by the progressives, and, and I just I can just see them, the progressives doubling down against President Donald Trump and against his policies, and I think you've got a good read on that. No, no, I, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, let, you know, let's not forget, regardless of what Donald Trump's true policies are, whether it have been Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, or Jeb Bush in office, uh, we know that the globalist, um, the financial, we'll say the, the globalist, the banking, international banking cartel, they all have financial incentive to see a ever-growing government, a Democrat in office with more than authoritarian um, tendencies, so anything that he's going to say or do, they're already going to put his feet to the fire. But with that being said, the fact that he is now showing up the media and saying, I am not the very guy that you make me out to be, and I could turn it on and I could turn it off. And all of these personal beefs that he has, whether it be with Jim Acosti of CNN or, or folks over at MSNBC, um, it's going to continue to get more personal. But even if he has good relations, which I'm sure he does, when he sits down, he before the, the joint address, he had lunch with Jake Tapper of CNN, Wolf Blitzer uh, of CNN as well, and a variety of other uh, journalists. This wasn't very widely reported, um, but this had to have been a civil enough 
uh, discussion or some sort of a, a relationship that is civil enough for them to have lunch together. So I don't think he has personal beefs uh, with the, with the media um, that are going to inhibit where he goes forward. That's not going to stop him, um, but they're going to be on him regardless. The fact that this wasn't what <clears throat> this wasn't widely reported, it would seem to me that anyone hearing that for the first time, just uh, just what you said. I think that there would be an element of surprise here. Holy moly, he's actually talking with these people, uh, the very people that, uh, again, the perception, and I think a lot of this perception is cultivated and fertile, uh, made fertile by the left and by the, by the media as well. Um, yeah, you know, okay. Uh, and in fact, I'm, I'm rather surprised at hearing this, at hearing this. What do you think was discussed? Well, there was uh, there there was a report that came out of CNN uh, that was authored both by Jay Tapper and Wolf Blitzer that there was discussion of flexibility from the Trump administration in regards to immigration that they were going to allow Dreamers uh, to have some site some sort of um, ability to obtain residency, not a sure path to citizenship. But really, the just of the article um, from unnamed sources, which we know were Trump, because those very people that authored the piece had lunch with Donald Trump earlier that day, that he was going to be, quote-unquote, dealing on immigration, uh, and that is code for um, compromise. Um, so that is, that's that. That's how we know that that story got out, and that's what they had discussed. All right. All right. I'm taking a step back. A little bit looking over the domestic news landscape. What's on your? What are you seeing take place right now? What's? What are you seeing? What trends from your uh, website vesselnews.io? What do you see taking place uh, here in the short term with res- with respect to domestic policies? And I'm talking about border security. Do you see that? Ready to go. I'm talking about uh, uh, deportations and everything else. Every other hot button issue. What do you see? What do you see taking place here in the larger sense? Well, I'll preface the answer that we had a we curated story from the Hill uh, two days ago. It was our story on the 27th um, March, set to be the biggest month for the GOP in a decade. Um, why is that? Because this is the month where um, the Obama repeal uh, is supposed to at least kick off. Um, this will be the last month before bids come in in April uh, for the wall. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, has already begun soliciting bids for building materials uh, and other services associated with putting up the wall. And then, uh, of course, uh, once you have the Obamacare in there, you've got, um, you've got immigration, it's tax. Uh, and so we're getting mixed messages here from whether it be the Secretary of the Treasury, whether it be Wilbur Ross over at Commerce, um, that it may not even be until August that we start to talk about tax uh, reform. So in the immediate future, it's these three issue areas that are going to be um, where Donald Trump spends the most political capital on. Now, like anybody else, I'm just trying to keep up with the reports. One second, it's August we're talking about tax reforms. The next second, we see that 
Um, you know, DHS is, is discussing whether or not they're going to allow, um, ICE to move forward and put, uh, troops on the border so that we're able to maintain a certain level of security there that we had in the previous administration. I'm just trying to keep up with all the different reports that are coming out and finding out what's true and what's not. But those are the three major issues that are at the forefront and how they're going to play out. We just have to, we just have to find out. But any story associated with those three, I'm curating, I'm throwing up on vesselnews.io right away. Understood. All right. Now, out of those three, well, continue. Um, and I say that continue because looking at those three in other, uh, other news headlines in the periphery of those major topics, um, well, where should we go here in this in this conversation? Obamacare, I think, is is pretty interesting. I mean, um, the president just had a meeting uh, with many governors uh, from across the country, and they went over some of the difficulties associated with repeal and then a new plan. Some of the uh, rumblings that are going on from Capitol Hill is that there's a divide between the Freedom Conservative uh, Caucus led by Jim Jordan uh, out of Illinois and then Rand Paul leading in the Senate from Kentucky and then some of the more establishment uh, establishmentarians like the uh, <clears throat> Paul Ryans and the Mitch McConnell. So there seems to be a divide within the Republicans as to how to repeal it, uh, let alone replace it. So what's going to be very interesting is are you going to see the conservative, uh, the Tea Party Freedom Caucus and kibosh this whole uh, repeal, um, or are they going to fold and allow there to be some sort of compromise where the establishmentarians, the rhinos of the GOP, are able to repeal it and replace it in a way that keeps Democrats a little bit happy, keeps some of their base a little bit happy, um, and Donald Trump is then able to sell that to the American people. So we're, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. We know that there's a tremendous amount of tension and divide within the GOP as to how to repeal and to replace to begin with. So it's going to be very, very interesting how Donald Trump uh, navigates these waters and then sells it to the American people because this has been a cornerstone not only of his campaign, but of his political discourse for at least two, three years before he even began to run. Right. And the, the comment that is attributed to him, essentially him saying, man, this is more complicated than, than expected or something like that. Um, I don't think that suggests, uh, naivete. I think that suggests surprise at the level of, um, how would I put this? The, the fact that this piece of legislation had, uh, had infiltrated just about every segment of society, every, every economic aspect of things. Yeah. All the doctors that had to make changes, the tying it to the IRS, um, and to, you know, ta- making it a tax with the Supreme Court's, uh, decision uh, over the Obamacare. And I think what you were referring to, Dad, is what Charles Krauthammer asked Trump, or asked him a question with the, phrasing it, saying, did you expect it to be as complicated as it was? And, and right. he answered uh, yeah. that right. question. But, so he was using his words. But, um, no, you're right. It is, it's interwoven um, into our, what was it, 
what was the percentage uh, that Obamacare or the Obamacare bill was going to take up 26% of the economy or something crazy like that? And it has, mm-hmm. it, whether it be from, uh, I mean, regardless, you have the IRS involved, of course, the penalties, the uh, enforcement aspect. Josh, do you believe it's, without regard to the different sides on the argument, do you believe that it's possible? If, if Donald Trump, President Donald Trump wanted to repeal the thing, the entire legislation, just repeal it, walk it back. Is that even possible without causing significant damage as opposed to repair to the economy? Well, I think the primary concern of both the Trump administration and the governors around the country is loss of care. Uh, we know that many of the largest insurers and many of the Obama uh, care insurers are either going bust, uh, losing a tremendous amount of money to the point where in a few years to come would be completely unsustainable uh, in running their operation. So we know that both the exchange and the private and public side of things really don't have any faith in the system. The primary concern is the, we've got governors across the country that are confining uh, in the president saying if you're not able to put a quick band-aid, a quick repeal uh, and, and replace on this where the loss of care is not large enough to cost us any sort of political capital, we're not going to be behind us. The primary concern is, is to be able to, if this was a dam and it started to crack and there was water coming out, well, how are you going to put something on there to just close it all off so the water doesn't flow out? I mean, this is what's happening. It's cracking, right? And what they're doing is, is just putting putty over it, but they're going to have to repeal and replace it in a way that the governors are going to feel comfortable along with the congressmen and senators so that people in their own state don't come to them at town halls like you've seen across the country and get vicious and rowdy with them. So I think that it is it is possible, the mechanics of it are possible. They do have the policy prescriptions to repeal and replace. The question is, do they have the political capital with their congressmen, their governors, and their senators so that even if there is a a gap in care for a period of time, that they are not afraid to take that chance uh, and and go forward with it, even if that loss of coverage might be temporary. Hmm. Okay. Your your thoughts on uh, how do you see this? I mean, the the, the fact that you are you spend uh, just about every waking moment of your day um, curating news, the headlines, the the in, in the depth. Uh, you're just not uh, wide with respect to the news and the headlines, but you're, you, you've got some depth to this. Where do you see, I mean, if you were to hazard a guess, educated guess, where do you see that particular situation going with, with respect to Obamacare and it being repealed and replaced, repealed, partially replaced or, or, or nothing done? I think that there is going to be a repeal and replace. I do believe it is going to happen. I think that Donald Trump is going to be able to negotiate terms with leading members of Congress, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and the like, and then bring together those of the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party side, the Ted Cruz's, Mike Lee's, Rand Paul's, and, and, and Jim Jordan. So I think he's going to be able to synthesize all of the needs and political, we'll say, requirements uh, that these leading congressmen and senators have, and then they're just going to have to, you know, start whipping up the votes down the 
uh, down the line. So I think it's actually going to happen, but I think you're going to see a scenario, if I could paint a, a broad stroke, much like we had Barack Obama that had the corn, the corn husky, uh, uh, you know, bribe where he was able to give a little bit more pork to the senator of Nebraska, um, for him to be a yes. Uh, on the Affordable Health Care Act, I think Donald Trump's going to have to use a little bit of sweetener uh, to get the deal done. Um, so we don't know what that's going to mean, if it's in the form of pork, if that's in the form of the tax reform, if that's in the form of the border. But Donald Trump is going to have to give something up uh, to get this done. So that's how I think this is going to play out. Can this, and this might sound like a ridiculous question, can this be done without a single-payer system? I, I don't think so. Mm. I don't. And See, that was a goal all along with Obamacare, yeah. though, and it's a stated goal. I know it wasn't something they, you know, mentioned in the in the bill or the rolling out of the bill. But if you look at a lot of the advisors around the Obama administration's Affordable Care Act, and even some of the politicians who who pushed it through, that was always the goal of this health care system. Well, I think, I think Donald Trump is going to try to avoid that. I think he's going to do everything in his power to do that. So when I say that, oh, I don't think that it's, it's possible. I mean, where do I think this is going to go down the line? I think that might be an option that he's going to take. And I think there is a percentage uh, of a chance that he is going to go there. But you're going to have a lot of kickback from the conservative wing of the party, the Tea Partiers and, and, and Freedom Caucus, uh, to make sure that that, that that doesn't happen. So we're really going to have to see how this goes. But I think it has less to do with policy, but more so about the political capital that these, uh, you know, that his peers uh, stand to lose if the repeal is botched. Because this is a government system like anything else. This is not a private enterprise. The government doesn't do anything very good. I mean, look at the rollout of Obamacare. I mean, this was a, a simple, web, you know, I say a simple, it was a website uh, that they weren't able to do. And they have some very smart minds in the government. Don't get me wrong. The Googlers, the Amazons, uh, they're all in the government. You know, they're either in there or they're, you know, there's an advisory role. And they still were not able to launch this website uh, in a way that would have streamlined uh, many of the, of the signups that they had and reached the targets that many had thought was going to be. So, that's what we're, we're we're concerned about. I think the politicians know that the government has their shortcomings. That's the I think that's the real issue here. And the website right of money. You just brought brought back a, a few memories about the website, especially the amount of money they spent on that failed website. Upwards of what was it, thirty million dollars? An uh, incredible amount of money. And for a failed website, and you're right, the government doesn't do anything effectively or efficiently, and. Um, you know, here we are, years after the Affordable Health Care Act passed, uh, just has created a disaster in our in our health care system. The huge premium hikes that we've seen, people losing their doctors after being promised that they wouldn't lose their doctors, the tying it into a, a tax in the IRS to where people are penalized, a monetary tax that increases every year um, if they don't have health insurance. And then we saw an executive order from Trump rolling back some of the, the more burdensome aspects of uh, the Obamacare requirements, and we're going to have to get more into that later, folks. We're talking with Josh Kaplan from VesselNews.io. You asked for him to be brought back for an hour. He's back. Yeah, he's got the time. And we're gonna we're gonna get into a, a number of other geopolitical and um, economic information on the other side. Again, VesselNews.io. Bookmark that site and make sure you visit it regularly. We'll be right back on this edition of the Hagman Report. Stay with us. 
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their house by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year. Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Folks, into this segment with Josh Kaplan, VesselNews.io, and, and and he's got some he's got some absolutely incredible numbers on his website. Many people look at that or might say, "Well, that's boasting. That's really you shouldn't really." No, let me tell you something. The milestones that Josh Kaplan has uh, reached with VesselNews.io, I've, I must tell you, okay. People think Drudge Report automatically as a news aggregation site. Well, any more, my first stop, a cup of coffee, right right away to VesselNews.io. And the man behind it is um, 
he's going to give Drudge or is giving Drudge a run for his money, in my view, and uh, the way he does things, the way he aggregates and correlates the news and, and brings it to you. I'm going to tell you something. Um, pretty soon, you, you won't you won't even be going to Drudge. Uh, but I'm going to ask him about the uh, numbers here shortly. But be, earlier in the program, I was mentioning to you that uh, HelloFresh, it's a meal kit delivery service, the best on the planet, the leading meal delivery kit service. Uh, we, it's changed the way the Hagman household eats completely. Uh, they believe that we all deserve great food, natural, delicious food, healthy food, and, and they, they use, source the freshest of ingredients. They give it to you. They package it all, package it all together. You get a delivery. Oh, and lady, the studio dog, when she's at home and she sees that, that hello fresh box come, she knows what it is. Um, it's, it's the ultimate of convenience. It's the ultimate of, of uh, variety. It's the ultimate of freshness. We love it at, at the Hagman household. Again, it is the best meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, convenient. My wife and I, sometimes we cook together. It takes about a half hour. But all of the ingredients are pre-measured. The recipes are on a beautiful recipe-type card. The instructions are there. Freshest ingredients, measured to the exact quantities you need. There's no waste. And, you know, they, they employ a couple of uh, full-time dietitians for nutri- nutritionally balanced meals. I mean, it's it's fabulous. It really it is, is. Yeah. Uh some of the things that I've we've eaten at the Hagman household of the here this past week, uh just mouth watering mouth watering this the uh the, the pasta dishes, the uh uh the variety. Oh, it's just fantastic. Now, let me tell you something. They have put together, especially for Hagman and Hagman listeners, you won't find this anywhere else. Here's the deal. You go to HelloFresh.com. You gotta go to HelloFresh.com. And there, um, you will receive for your first week of deliveries, you will receive $35 off. How do you do that? You enter Hagman35 as the coupon code. So, it's very simply. Go to HelloFresh.com, pick out your selection. And they've got a, they've have, by the way, um, which, which is something really convenient, a family box available. It's, it's marvelous. They have various, well, anything that would please your palate. You can kind of, um, you can kind of select some things that, that, you know, if you're a vegan, of course, they take that into account. So you can really create what you want to eat. This is the ultimate in convenience, ultimate in nutrition, ultimate in freshness. Just the ultimate meal kit delivery service. Again, HelloFresh.com. Use our code Hagman35. And we love it. Absolutely love it. My wife doesn't even have to go to the store anymore. No more lines. It's just fantastic. Josh Kaplan is our guest. Vesselnews.io. And again, in my view, the place to go. First thing in the morning. Cup of coffee. I don't care what time zone you're in. This is the place to go. Josh, tell us about your your milestones of numbers here. You, just incredible. So Vessel News has done tremendously well since we launched, uh, since I launched. I say we. I don't like to say I. I 
try to stay uh, a little bit grounded, but the website has done very, very well. Uh, since launching Vessel News uh, in July, so about seven and a half months ago, we've went from zero readers uh, just out of a just out of a bedroom and a computer uh, to having three million uh, hits a month. So for the past three months, we've been upping our uh, largest traffic uh, of that particular month. Two months ago, we had 1.5. The last month, we had 2.6, and now we have over 3 million. Um, and I think that we're going to do much better this month. Um, so the growth has just been uh, tremendous, and it's one guy behind the computer, just me, uh, seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 12 at night, curating anywhere between 40 to 60 stories, uh, mainly uh, conservative of the uh, conservative politics of the political, uh, libertarian and nationalistic tinge, but also there's something for everybody. There's tech news, there's food news. I've got some really bizarre, weird news up there. Uh, that's you know, kind of my make... favorite. I gotta tell you, that yeah. I indulge in that. <laughs> that's one of my secret indulgences. When, and I look for those on your website. Okay. The, you know, those off stories. I don't know. I get a kick out of that. See, see that, yeah, and, and that's what I, I try to do to separate Vessel News from a majority of the conservative um, outlets out there. A majority of them are very political in nature and are truth tellers in that way, but we're more than just politics, right? I mean, you're, you were talking about food earlier. I mean, food, I'm sure, is a big deal in your household, as every household as everybody else. Um, so we want to put out food news and tech news and just news in general that appeals to all the different aspects of one's being. So. You know, we just had a, a fun, bizarre story today about uh, a guy who unfortunately was killed because he had insulted his wife's burnt casserole. Uh, it leaded to some strange melee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know, you wouldn't normally uh, see that. There was another crazy story where a bunch of folks in a Tunisian zoo stoned a crocodile to death. That's the second uh, one this week. There was a hippo uh, somewhere hippo. in South America. That was there killed was by people. Yeah. And I didn't read those stories, but what's going on? If, do you have any insight on that? What, what, what was the deal? Or what's the <laughs> you deal know with what? I mean, the crocodile? <laughs> I hope there's no linkages. I mean, it's a terrible trend. I mean, even uh, in Thailand today, we curated a story. There was an Asian black bear uh, that was rescued, but then unfortunately had fallen to its death out of a helicopter. Oh, yeah. And now the Thai authorities are investigating that. So there seems to be a lot of, as pets and animals become more of a, um, we're, you know, a part of our family and the empathy level towards humans and, and, and animals increase. That's, you'll start to see more stories about animals, at least in our coverage, uh, because it really, it hits home. Hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. There seems to be, at least in our country, um, and in certain circles, I guess, I guess it doesn't matter what, what side of the aisle and politics you, you come from, but it seems like a lot of people have a lot more empathy for animals than for humans. Uh, any insight on that? They're fed up. They're fed up with you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, lady you know, and I were do, talking about that this morning. You know, like uh, you know, like uh, my cousin says. I mean, do, you know, my dog uh, won't won't talk back to me. Never talks back to me. Only looks at me with with loving eyes. I mean, that that's the sort of things that you hear from people all the time. It's this unconditional love that is non-existent within at least the human condition, uh, unless it's a very close. A relationship between a mother and a daughter or a son and then a father. So I think that's what it is today in this transactional environment within our capitalist system. Uh, we just want something that's going to love us just for who we are. It doesn't matter what we look like, what we say, what we do. Exactly. Now, 
I know we touched on this earlier, and I'm not sure exactly how much of this was, forgive me, uh, off air and versus on air. All right, what, what in the world is going on with Obama in general? Uh, Obama, the community organizer. You have Holder coming out saying he's ready to roll uh, and come back out into the make a new political um, uh, a political appearance, and, and uh, yeah. he's involved in these in these protests. I mean, uh, this organization Rivera like uh, uh, he's in a mansion within you know these a few miles of the White House, and then we have an interesting story which is up on your website about that's, that's Valerie so, Jarrett. Yeah, I was getting to that moving in to Obama's mansion with him. Now, does she come down in a bathrobe? Uh, you know, I mean, what's the deal here? So Barack and Michelle, they come down into their into their kitchen with their beautiful, you know, granite granite cabinet tops and sub-zero fridge, and Valerie is there, pancakes and freshly squeezed orange juice. I mean, that's what it sounds like when you read the piece. She's moved in uh, with the Obamas and. The Obama household, the $5.3 million, 8,000-square-foot house, complete with a wall that was built, and the photos from TMZ provide the color on that, is going to be the fortress where Eric Holder, Josh Ernst, Valerie Jarrett, and many of the other Obama alumni um, pushed their agenda to oust Trump from the White House, either during his presidency or in 2020, uh, through their Organizing for America organization which is a grassroots movement that seeks to galvanize millennial, uh, specifically millennial support on campuses, getting involved um, with a variety of different subjects, whether it be redistricting, um, whether it be uh, donating to other nonprofits that seek to um, censor some of the conservative pieces that are coming across online that Facebook and Google are trying to clamp down on. So that's really what Obama's, the cabal, Obama cabal uh, is going to be doing for the next little while. Wait a second, because I, I wrote a question down I wanted to ask you, um, knowing you were coming on and knowing that question was going to come up, but my question is this, um, because I know you've got your finger on the pulse of of the, not just the news, but kind of the... Um, the texture, I don't know, the, the emotional, psychological texture of what's going on. What is the relationship between Hillary Clinton, uh, the Clinton Foundation, members of the Clinton family, members of the Clinton cabal, that circle, and the Obama, uh, cabal? Is it a favorable, uh, we didn't see it during the election, uh, the run up to the election. Um, are they beginning to work together? Are they working together, or are they going their separate ways? I, I Histori- need, yeah, go ahead. Historically, the relationship between the Obama camp and the Clinton camp has been, at best, frosty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the wounds have still not healed from uh, the election of Barack Obama in 2008. Um, so we know that there is deep tension between these two camps, and now that the Clinton campaign is downsizing the Clinton Global Initiative that operates the corporate membership platform where all these companies get together, give tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and get together, make promises to each other, which really is just uh, legalized bribes for Bill Clinton to broker deals with, that's shutting down, that's decreasing, and Obama's really just getting started. 
Um, so I don't see that there's a very strong correlation in what the Clintons and Obamas are going to be doing moving forward. I think the Clintons are very focused on grooming Chelsea Clinton to run for Congress or Senate. Um, and I think the Obamas are dead set on trying to salvage the legacy that Trump is going to systematically dismantle over the next four years. And that's the piece that we curated from the uh, Daily Mail. That is how Valerie Jarrett convinced Barack Obama not to give up post-presidency and to dig in his heels and take on Trump. She convinced him. She said, Barack, you are going to see your legacy evaporate unless you get involved. Any um, criminal activity in your mind with the way that Obama is getting involved and the organizations he's working with from the, the paid protesters to the disruption of the town hall meetings? To, you know, working with the open stated goal to impeach Trump, then I don't know what Obama, if he has any further political aspirations, um, nationally or globally, but, uh, with the stated goal to impeach Trump, is there anything that we haven't seen before with the transition of power between the two presidents? One, and then two, is there anything criminal with what Obama's doing? Well, I'll say this. I mean, never have we seen in modern political history there being a predecessor who is predicating his post-presidency on the removal of his successor. I think that is unprecedented. Uh, we haven't seen this in modern political history. Um, whether or not he's engaging in criminal activity, uh, I think is less important than the fact that he's trying to oust a sitting president. Uh, I think that this is something that we should heed to uh, if we want to think about Obama as a democratic leader. I mean, this is somebody with deep authoritarian tendencies, and anybody who he is going to install uh, or attempt to install after Trump is somebody who is going to be controllable. Uh, so look for the Elizabeth Warrens, uh, look for the uh, Cory Bookers, um, but we never know what's going to happen. You know, a day in politics is, is really a year in, in regular real life. Um, so I'm not so sure about the mechanics of what he's trying to do, but the fact that he is trying to oust a sitting president is nefarious um, at the least. And we know that he's trying to do this to salvage his legacy. Jarrett, paybacks are a B-I-T-C-H. Well, let me ask you this, Josh. Um, is this payback for Trump's uh, pushing the the birther um, during the, the the birther issue during the Obama presidency, or do you think, like we said earlier, this is more about protecting the legacy? Because I don't see how, even let's say they they accomplish their goal of impeaching Trump, Obama will have no say over who becomes president. It's a um, yeah, it's a succession issue, or a, um, what do you call it, the, the chain of command issue. Um, so it, we're it, not playing by the rules. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're not going to just if, if even if Trump gets impeached tomorrow, they're not going to say, "Okay, Obama, you pick who you want to be president, and we're going to institute that." So, sure. is it more is it aimed at the election, the next election? Um, well, yeah. What, see, well, what, what see brought up something really interesting was this whole birther issue and whether or not there's you know any uh, any really motivation from Obama to try to oust Trump or blunt his uh, agenda because of the birther issue. We all know, and Barack Obama and his camp know, that the Clinton camp uh, begun that rumor uh, through Sidney Blumenthal, who tried to shop that around to the press for an extended period of time and failed. Um, so I think that might be one of the many reasons why the Obama and Clinton camp are quite, quite uh, frosty to one uh, towards one another. Is he mad at Trump because he was the loudest uh, of the bunch pushing uh, this theory? Yes, I think he is, but... 
is this his main motive or even one of the cornerstone reasons as to why he wants to oust him? No. Look, Barack Obama, throughout his presidency, there was a, between governorships, mayor, city council, a governor, senators, congressmen, lost over a thousand seats to Republicans. The Democrat Party was decimated under his rule, and there were leaked emails that the Daily Beast had published that curated on VesselNews.io that many sitting Democrats across the country are not very confident in organizing for America's ability to galvanize support for Democrats to win in 2018 and then win back the White House in 2020. But but we saw the the we saw uh, Perez being elected, selected to head the Democratic National Committee. Perez has always been Obama's guy, despite, at least in my view, or am I wrong in that perception? Well, you're correct. I mean, he is a, he is the establishmentarian. Okay. He's who's he's who the Clintons and Obamas wanted. Okay, Clinton and Obama. Okay, okay, that that kind of makes a difference then. Uh, before I would proceed with that. Okay, so that was the whereas Ellison was always an outlier. Um, was it because or is it because Ellison is a Muslim or is it because Perez is a globalist? I, I guess that would be the distinction here. It's about the money. The end of the day, <laughs> okay. at, at, at the end of the day, Perez is an establishmentarian. He's a globalist. He's one of them. Ellison is not. Uh, Ellison, you know, look, I mean, Ellison is an outsider. He's of the progressive Bernie Sanders camp that I think many of candidates in his model, um, in his mold are going to run in 2018 and give the Democrats, as we talked about last time I came on the program, uh, Democrats run for their money. Um, but it's all about the money. I mean, look, you had guys like Alan Dershowitz and Hom, uh, Sam, who is one of the biggest funders of the Democrat Party, who owns Univision, saying if Ellison, the anti-Semite, is elected, the Democrat Party is over, and I'm not going to give them a dollar. Um, and that's not to say that many of the things that Ellison said were wrong. I mean, we we nailed him on VesselNews.io. Every time I saw something inflammatory that he had said within the past few years or did or something 20 years ago, I put it up there because I do think that where he is ideologically is very dangerous, and the ties that he has to the Muslim Brotherhood is, is quite dangerous. Um, but it's all about the money. And, and therein lies an issue, a topic that uh, Canada Free Press, Judy McLeod, the founding editor of Canada Free Press, and I spoke about with respect to what you had put up there. Um, very interesting with respect to all of that. All right. Um, we've got about, I don't know, about eight minutes left. Josh, um, you're you're in the catbird seat when it comes to all of the media, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, the true news that's out there. Take the remaining moments and, and kind of give us the, give us a, a, a true news briefing, if you don't mind, what we should be watching out for, what people of America, North America, and the world should be looking out for, and what you expect. Not that you have got a crystal ball, but you've got good reasoning abilities. Um, what, 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 what you expect to be taking place perhaps in the short term. And, uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, so right now, what I see with the, with the introduction of Trump into the cultural landscape, I see somebody who has awakened young people, old people, people of all colors and creeds. And what we're seeing now is a proliferation of conservatarian 
values. It's an amalgamation of libertarian and conservative values um, that are that are spreading, uh, permeating through um, mainstream culture on the internet. People think that the Oscars and the Grammys uh, are the mecca or the representation of the mainstream media, but really it's the YouTubes, uh, it's the programs like yours that are really moving forward the the culture. So what I see right now is I see in within the uh, news landscape, I see a bunch of conservative websites that are just putting out politics. They're just putting out what's going on in Congress, what Trump said, what he didn't do. Um, and I see very few uh, websites that are talking about the proliferation of technological innovation. So what I see now is there's this globalist cabal that is trying to come down and censor uh, many of the websites like myself and yours and, and others. Um, and there's a groundswell um, of those that are using technology to throttle that. So what, but what I'm, so what I'm looking for, what I'm trying to get at here is I'm looking for somebody that has the conservatarian values. I'm looking for the news that's political, that's libertarian, conservative, so on and so forth, but also combining that with tech news, all the different innovations and apps, uh, goods and services, things that people that they're doing to throttle Google, like the, the creation of Gab, which is the alternative to Twitter. So what I see now, um, that hasn't been really discussed in the media is I see a whole groundswell of conservatarian entrepreneurs that are going to be the anti-Googles, the anti-Twitters, the anti-Facebooks, um, and hinge that all on uh, free speech and lack of censorship, no censorship and all that stuff. And that's what we're going to be showcasing over at VesselNews.io um, is really a new counterculture that is going to eventually eat uh, the current cannibalize the current culture, which has become authoritarian, anti-free speech, anti-freedom, anti-individualism. Uh, so that's really that's really what I what I see. We see this culturally, but watch for the tech to come. Watch for the companies to come out um, to help move the you know the ball forward. I mean, the left has Hollywood, but they also have Silicon Valley, and we're now waiting for. Um, our own Silicon Valley that have conservatarian values, but also have the same technological prowess um, and cons- you know computer science background, entrepreneurship background, to help um, disseminate these values like YouTube's and Google's and, and and the Twitters do. So that's that's what I am seeing right now, and that's what I'm trying to put news out for. And you mentioned a, um, a few interesting things there, especially along the lines of technology. And we got about three minutes left of this segment. Um, and if we can focus on the technological aspects, we saw a story today about Twitter um, continuing to increase the algorithms that are going to um, what they stop what they deem as abusive and offensive content. Um, do you believe that? I mean, we've seen the the censorship of Twitter and and Google and YouTube increase, you know, what tenfold in the last few months. Will there be any? Um, Free speech left on these on these uh, sites before, um, like you mentioned, the gab. Uh, that, yesterday was the first time I heard of that, or two days ago, uh, for whatever reason. But it just seems like the monopoly, as you said, is on the left with Silicon Valley and a lot of these companies. Um, I don't know if that's by design or whatever. But do you believe that we'll see that technological innovation before uh, all the the relevant free speech is, is filtered out from Twitter and Facebook and even YouTube? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be um, it's going to be gradual. So it won't be one day we wake up and we can no longer monet. You know, conservatives could no longer monetize their their <clears throat> their videos on YouTube, or you can no longer tweet conservative values on Twitter. I think it's going to be um, a gradual exodus. You see many people on Twitter right now that have their Gab AI users name inside of their Twitter handle, 
and they're directing people off the site. Uh, and you see that in you know a variety of different platforms. You have a lot of people advertising their Snapchat handles on Twitter within their their profile picture. So it's going to be an organic exodus from platform to platform. And um, what I see in the short term is there going to be, unfortunately, a certain level of ghettoization where it's going to be the alt-right, new-right on some of these platforms, some of the establishmentarian conservatives, the National Review conservatives on these platforms, and then you're going to have the left on the Twitters and the Facebooks that are going to remain. But eventually, there are going to be enough independent-minded people that are going to come over to these platforms that are free speech and so on and so forth that the media has branded alt-right and racist and white supremacist. Um, that you're going to see then the old platforms that are persistent now uh, slowly die off. That's interesting that you just uh, made the point about the alt-right and conservative organizations versus, um, you know, the Twitter and Facebook. And I can see how um, if the if the more conservative news uh, is, gets creative and, and does create some of these social networking um, outlets, how it could you know, the, the people of like mind would flock to one or the other and then just, you know, remain in their respective corners um, where you don't get that interaction between the two groups um, with these different media outlets. But I hope you're right that the organic movement from uh, of free thinkers to new platforms is what happens because the only thing that really stops the democratic po- process in this country is the censorship of free ideas and free speech. Josh, we've reached the end of the interview. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tonight, vesselnews.io, folks, bookmark his site uh, and check it daily as he is a curator of news and always puts together great content. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks again, brother. All right, when we come back, Pastor David Langford will be with us as he is each and every Wednesday in our number three, so don't go anywhere. We got a lot to talk with um, Pastor Langford about, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Stay with us. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In Three Days in the Belly of the Beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And we look at the headlines, we look at what's going on all across the world, domestically in the United States, throughout North America, and then the larger scope all across the world. You think, none of this is random. At least not in my view, it's not random. And many times, conservatives especially, sometimes Christians and oftentimes the blend of conservative Christians, frequently, we forget sometimes that God is in control. I happened just very briefly to watch, um, and I don't know how I ended up here, I watched a segment, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, the, uh, the, reason, I only, the only reason I bring him up is he had given a, a breakfast Invocation on Inauguration Day at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. And uh, somehow, again, I don't know, it was on my office computer, it popped up, and it was, it was about 15 minutes, or five minutes into the his his invocation, or his speech, I should say, he, he was talking about President Donald Trump, who was going to be taking the oath in a couple of hours, referencing him as... Cyrus, and I thought, wow, where have I heard this before? Well, Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism, having said that long before Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, and um, about uh, the, the conversation also went and talked about how uh, God uses national leaders, uses the average person as well. I mean, look at us, we don't belong here. Okay, and the person being used does not, you know, it's not necessary for that that person to know God because God knows that person. So it, 
but it's what Pastor David Langford has been talking about. And that just perked my ears up. I just wanted to mention that. A couple of things before we bring Pastor David Langford on from The Voice of Evangelism. And make sure, folks, if you haven't done so already, go to thevoiceofevangelism.com. Take advantage of all of the media. I highly recommend that multimedia Bible. Oh, is that fantastic. Put it, put the DVD in with your wife. And, um, yeah, this is a sales pitch. Let me tell you, it is enriching. It will in, enrich you, inform you, teach you the Bible. Uh, stand, stand by here for a second here. Okay. You know, I would, I would wonder how coordinate, <laughs> how can that be a coincidence? Two, both times, only when that's, when, when, when you're doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the video section crash, which crashes our BTR feed temporarily. It'll be back up momentarily. Global Star is running fine. Pastor, hang in there for a I second. There, Technical problems. I wonder okay. um, if right. there isn't a keyword in there that somebody doesn't What did I say, Obama? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it is insane. It's, you're talking about a coincidence. In, in, case, in, in case you're wondering what this, what this uh, mess is, uh, we're having a conversation with Eric the Tech. They don't well, want people to get life insurance. Well, not just that. They, there's some other issues here. But nonetheless, uh, so, so Pastor David Langford is coming on momentarily as soon as we balance out the, uh, uh, we had a software system crash that, that basically took out a couple of key, um, platforms. So, but, uh, so we're going to bring, bring, uh, and I, and I apologize to Pastor David Langford for this, this mess, this, this is the second time this evening that this happened, and we apologize for it. Okay. We're actually going through a countdown right now. So, having said that, uh, while you're waiting there, or while, while we're waiting here, I would urge everyone, please, and, and you're responding to this call to action. We appreciate this. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is important. The, um, the show that we did last night, the second it was over, it, we received a notice, uh, basically not eligible for monetization, meaning that it did not meet community standards. Why? Because we talked about the current events as they related to certain individuals within the government. We had, uh, Angela talking about Pizzagate. We had Sean from the SGT report talking about uh, John Podesta, his findings with that. So anyway, the assault, the war on conservative news tellers, truth tellers, is really ablaze. Before one more thing, before we get to Pastor David Langford, and this is uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, policy genius. If you don't have life insurance, nearly about thirty-five percent of Americans, uh, U.S. families, thirty-five million. I'm sorry. Uh, U.S. families have no life insurance, zero. That's 30% of U.S. households. That's according to uh, recent uh, studies. And most Americans think life insurance costs two to, three, two to three times more than it really does. Folks, I want to direct you to policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com. P-O-L-I-C-Y, genius, G-E-N-I-U-S.com. There you can save over 40% off other prices for life insurance. When life insurers compete for your business, you save money. Folks, we have tested this out, and we have seen, compared to what I had even at my age, my son 
uh, Eric the Tech, the comparisons, saving anywhere between, I'm going to say about 6% to upwards of roughly 30% in our personal situation using Policy Genius. It pays to use policygenius.com. Folks, go to policygenius.com. That's P-O-L-I-C-Y, genius, G-E-N-I-U-S, all together, policygenius.com. There you will have zero jargon, no sales pressure, no hassle. It's life insurance made easy. And while you're there, check out the other products they have, including pet insurance. That's right, pet insurance. And don't think because you're young you, you don't need health insurance. That's right. So don't don't waste any, any more time. Don't wait. Go to policygenius.com. All right. Now I think we have our technical uh, snafus worked out. Joe? Yes, we do. And our guest, uh, thank you for your patience, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com, also the Voice of Evangelism on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. It's a great joy to be with you guys tonight. And as always, the enemy does not want the truth shed abroad the hearts of the people listening. Boy, you got yeah. that right, brother. Yeah, we know we're in trouble when Eric the Tech, is, his hat goes flying and you know, his, his arms go waving and he's going, he's making stretching moves with his hands. And Anyway, so, but yes. So what's on your heart tonight, Pastor? I want to talk about discrimination. Um, okay. You know, we're hearing a lot of fake evangelicals talking about taking in the immigrants, the illegal immigrants, that Christ would not do this. But it just shows you the ignorance of Christianity and what Christ expects. I want to go to Revelation 21. I'm not going to read all of the verses, but I want to kind of set a stage here because what does the word discriminate mean? It means to make a difference in treatment or in favor on basis other than individual merit. And Jesus, in Matthew ten thirty four through 36, he said, Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Jesus does discriminate. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 10, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a great wall, or excuse me, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Uh, That just lets you know God's not through with Israel, folks. Everyone who's preaching replacement theology you don't know your Bible, and yes, Pastor Langford said that, not to be arrogant, but God's going to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together when he erased this city called New Jerusalem, and that's why he's going to put the 12 tribes, the names of the 12 tribes, on those 12 gates. And on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So he's going to take the 12 names of the tribes of Israel, engrave them 
on New Jerusalem. Then he takes the twelve apostles of the Lamb and engraves them on the foundations, and thus he reconciles both Jews and Gentiles into one new being, which is his body, the church. But then we get on down here to verse uh, 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light. Notice, which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, that whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Of course, the key here is your name must be in the book of life. Therefore, he has these twelve gates, and at the gates, he's got these angels, and of course, they're going to monitor who gets in, who gets out. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. And so we're hearing all these fake Christians say, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus says, if you try to get in any other way than by me, you're nothing but a thief and a robber. John chapter 10, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. We see these people always trying to climb the fences, cut holes in them, or whatever way to get through. And Jesus says, when you do that, you are a thief and a robber. And he said, you have to enter in by the door. And Jesus tells us, he is that door. John ten nine. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And the psalmist talked about in Psalms 23 how he leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me and paths of righteousness, et cetera, et cetera. And so when people, you know, are making these ludicrous statements that, you know, we shouldn't have to abide by the laws, we should let them all in, Jesus is the one that set boundaries. Uh, I think about his words in Matthew seven thirteen: Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, Many there be which go in that, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So he's making it very clear, you cannot get in just any way. The first record we have of gates is in Genesis 19 and 1, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. All cities had walls and they had gates. All countries have walls and gates wherein we enter into. And 
you know, God is the one that set the boundaries. Even even uh, Elohim, when he was making covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, he set the boundaries which he was going to have Abraham to inherit from the river Nile to the river Euphrates. And then in Acts 17 and 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. The word habitation there in the Greek means their residence. So God marks the lines, the demarcations, the boundaries for, for everyone. And and so when we, we, we hear people making these statements, that's that's really anti Christ because Christ does not operate operate like that. The reason I said I want to talk about discrimination Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty one, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. So we see throughout the scriptures, I mean, they are totally replete uh, with boundaries, walls, and gates. And of course, you know, people that don't know their Bible, when these antagonists make these statements, what would Jesus do? We should bring them in. And there's always a balance. You know, Matthew 25, uh, Jesus said, I was naked, you clothed me, hungry, you fed me, prison, you visited me. They said, Lord, when have we done that unto you? He said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And there's a right way to do everything. But this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity or lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I've never seen such a time when there's so much lawlessness, and you know, God is using Donald Trump to bring back law and order. And I, I, I am amused, and it's really cynical to watch all these Christians attacking Donald Trump. You know, I, when, I, when I watch his wife open up the meeting in, um, I believe it was Florida, she opened up with the Lord's Prayer. I heard him make another statement the other day. He said, we have to have trust in one another and faith in God. And then last night, he quoted a scripture. Now, somebody had to do the research, because I know Donald Trump did not know this verse was in the Bible. So somebody had to do the research for him when he was speaking to the lady whose husband, the Navy SEAL, had been killed and the... Uh, the thing they were working on there, and I believe it was Yemen. Yeah, um, the, uh, Yemen raid. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay, First uh, John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now that was in His speech. Now He didn't say First John three sixteen, but when I heard that. Most people would equate that to John fifteen 
35 by this of John 15:13 by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another and greater love have no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends but that's not what he quoted. He quoted from 1 John because he was speaking about the brotherhood in Christianity. That you know, Christ was talking about how his love was so great, how he laid down his life for his friends. You know, but John says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So I thought, wow, you know, I, I, I'm not being critical, I'm not being condescending or putting him down, but I know theologically he, he, he does not know that verse, but somebody in the cabinet uh, knew that verse or they did their research or whatever to, to collect that verse and put it within his speech. And so when I, I watch all of these uh, Christians casting their lot with witches and all the sodomites and the liberals castigating the man, um, it shows you how there's such a spirit of antichrist in the true church today. Well, I, say, well, I should say true church, but in the nominal church, you see that element of leaven working in our midst of those who are always on, on the tack and, and, and doing these things. And this is, this is the spirit of Antichrist. Now remember, uh, Proverbs 29-2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So, you know, I know I'm rejoicing when I hear the First Lady pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm elated when I hear the President quote a Bible verse from 1 John 3.16. You know, I'm elated when he acknowledges God and asks the nation to pray for him that this job was greater than what he thought. And and so, yes, God does discriminate in the sense if you expect to inherit eternal life, you have to go God's way. You know, Proverbs fourteen twelve said, "There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death." And and I want to encourage the listeners tonight. Revival will start because our leadership begins to acknowledge God. We have been fasting. We have been praying. When I say we, all of us, I'm not just talking about me, my wife, or whoever. I'm talking about all of us, all the listeners who have been praying, have been fasting, have been crying out to God. And that's why I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic of how long this will last. Because more times than not, just like with Nineveh, when the king, remember, Jonah preached a message of repentance. Now, the king did not hear Jonah personally. The king got word that this was the message Jonah had preached. Jonah 3 and, two, uh, 3 and 6 says, For word came unto the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be published and proclaimed throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? 
And then the Bible says in verse 10, and God saw their works. Now, I know that makes some people mad. I know works don't save you, but you have works because you are saved. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the, the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it started with a preacher just preaching. But when the king heard the words that Jonah had preached, he made a decree. He had it published. We're not going to eat. We're not going to drink. We're going to start fasting. We're going to start crying out to God. And let's see what God does. Of course, I think it was historically 70 or 80 years later, God ultimately destroyed Nineveh. But there was a reprieve because the people cried out to God, put on sackcloth and ashes. My point is, the revival will come in America when leadership that's in these strongholds of authority begin to acknowledge God. And that's why we can't afford to lose this momentum. If there's ever a time to really, I mean, dig in, press hard, pray, cry out to God, you know, support the Hagmans, everyone that's doing the right thing, get behind them, uh, just stand for righteousness, we will begin to see God move. As I said, how long will it last? I don't know. But I know that God has given us an element of favor, an element of a reprieve. Uh, look at all the people that prayed at the inauguration and closed their prayers in Jesus' name. I mean, when have we seen the like? It's been a long time, guys. Mm -hmm. It's been a, a long time. Point. Yep. And isn't it funny, uh, not funny, but isn't it something uh, remarkable? Closing the prayer in Jesus' name evokes such a visceral response, such a, a hideous response, even at the level of the town hall meetings. When you, uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos where one in particular, one town hall uh, uh, congressman doing a town hall meeting prayed, that was upsetting. But when, it, when he closed the prayer in Jesus' name, there was a shouts about or to Lucifer. Yes. So, you know, we're making some headway, and we're causing this visceral response. And also, uh, on the other side, you know, you have the uh, coming against the, the name of Jesus and praying in the name of Jesus, and, you know, this uh, increased hatred towards God and the Bible and Christianity. But there was an article yesterday in LA Weekly, is, Trump, is a Trump presidency the satanic temple's chance to go mainstream? And uh, it talks about an increasingly uh, um, now through Donald Trump's administration, um, these they call them secularists want to uh, are and are flocking to the satanic religion. But they're and not. They're, they're trying they're to drive Satanists. it mainstream, right? And not only that, they're trying to drive it mainstream. Uh, and there, this article goes on to talk about even a, uh, a high school organization that that has been trying to implement a satanic uh, church group as an after-school activity. But um, I think it, it don't, I don't think it has anything to do with Donald Trump. I think it has to do with, you know, people flocking away from um, from Jesus and, and from the Bible. And now we see that um, some of these disenfranchised people are moving right into this, this satanic religion. And it is being propped up as, as um, you know, a secularist movement or whatever. But as they say, they don't, they're not aligned with any political parties and they don't worship Satan uh, as they say, but um, 
if you read up on on what the satanic temple and what the satanic church is, they actually do worship Satan. But it's very concerning to see this rise and increase of people not only moving away and hating uh, God and God's word, but flocking towards the other side of the evil uh, that is continuing to make a rise in our uh, communities and our cultures. And we can see the uh, spiritual fruits of darkness that continue to get its tentacles throughout our society. Folks, you're listening to Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. Com. We are up against our uh, break, but when we come back, Pastor Langford will be with us for the rest of the hour, so don't go anywhere. Uh, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay right there. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy New Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. 
this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are blessed every every week to have Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism.com. Really, um, America's pastor, I that's what I call him, and certainly our in-house pastor. Um, he is he is such a, a an amazing scriptorian. He's an amazing man with respect to the Bible. Um, it, it's just it's just to listen to him is to me a blessing. Before we get back to Pastor Langford, I want to remind everyone, visit preddefense.com. That is P-R-E-D, preddefense.com, pred-defense.com. I, I got to tell you, it, you know, when you are in a stressful situation, most people use shotguns, for example, to guard their home. Many law enforcement uh, officers use shotguns. Shotguns have been around since the beginning of time. Well, Pred Defense has a great product that I that we personally use. In fact, the Mossberg it fits on a Mossberg shotgun. It, it fits on all shotguns. And when you think about it, most people, even those in uniform, as I mentioned earlier, using shotguns for decades for things that go bump in the night. And it's an incredible firepower to have. But there's a, kind of a flaw. If you want to call it that, and that's reloading under pressure, well, Pred Defense takes care of that for you. Um, people have been trained on how to reload from the side saddle, but it takes precious time, and you usually end up taking your eyes off the target, focusing on the shell. Plus, you need fine motor skill for this task. For this task, we know that when your adrenaline is pumping, and it will be. Uh, we lose our fine motor skills. You need a way to rapidly get that fresh shell into the chamber using gross motor skills. Now you've got it. But you have to ask yourself, if your adrenaline is, is pumping, how can you truly get that fresh shell into the cha- chamber pr- proficiently? Pred defense is the answer. I would encourage everybody, everybody, if you have a shotgun, I would encourage you to take a look at preddefense.com. That is P-R-E-D, defense.com. They have a shock, uh, a solution, a patented solution that I think you'll appreciate. We use it. We endorse it 100%, preddefense.com. And uh, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman family. Our guest uh, until the end of the show is Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism, voiceofevangelism.com. And on Blog Talk Radio, the Voice of Evangelism, uh, bookmark that to get his his podcast and radio show. Um, where do you want to go from here, Pastor Langford? Uh, let me just say to, to Doug, I appreciate your wonderful comments and accolades, but I don't know that I can live up to that that height and stature, Doug. But I do appreciate. I'm humbled by what you say about being the pastor for the Hagman Hagman. I appreciate that immensely. You know, I was listening to Donald Trump the other day. He made numerous statements. I try to listen to what he says. You know, Jesus said in uh, in Matthew twelve thirty seven, "For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned." And you know, words are powerful. You know, Solomon said, "Life and death is in the power of the tongue." But he made some statements the other day. He said, "Number one, there is no global flag." He said, "There is no global currency." He said, I am the president of the United States, not another country or globalism. And you see, this is the exact opposite and tenor of the Antichrist and that spirit. This is what Obama, Clinton, 
all of these people and El Merkel, all of them have been striving for globalism. This is what the devil wants, folks. And this is why you have to understand that God, for whatever reason, I believe because of the sincerity of the saints, uh, he put this thing on pause. Uh, everyone wants power. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, he's giving his account, like Matthew gave his account in Matthew 4, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Both of both Gospels are rephrased a little bit different, but Luke gives us a little something different in Luke 4, 6, and the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Well, this is why the the devil is going to give the Antichrist this great power and this great authority. Well, how do we know that? We know that according to the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. See, um, he says that he gives him this uh, power in verse 2, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So, what Donald Trump is saying is the exact opposite of what the Antichrist will be saying. He says there's no global flag, there's no global currency. I'm the president of the United States. So Revelation 13:2 says the dragon, the devil, Satan, gives the man of sin, the Antichrist, his power, his seat, and great authority. Well, that's what he offered Jesus in Luke 4, 6. He said, all this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. So Satan's going to uh, give this power to some man. Now, we've all heard since Ronald Wilson Reagan uh, was the Antichrist. You know, I, I, I marvel at everybody. Anytime somebody tells you somebody's the Antichrist, just mark them off. That those people are already lying to you because nobody knows who the Antichrist is. The reason I know that he's called the son of perdition. Second Thessalonians two three. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Jesus did not reveal who the son of perdition was until 24 hours before the crucifixion. When he described Judas Iscariot as the son of perdition, and he gave him the sop, John 13, 27, and Satan entered into him. Now, Satan didn't personally enter into him, but the spirit of Satanism finally took control of his life because Satan is, a, is an angel. He's a fallen angel, Lucifer. And so he he finally gave over holy. See, the devil was not going to possess Jesus in Luke 4, 6. He was going to bestow this power, this satanic power, this authority that was given to him. How did he get it? By Adam's fall. And that's how this power was given over to Satan. That's how we got it. The, the, the earth is still the Lord's. Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullest thereof and all them that dwell therein. The earth is still the Lord's, but it's under a curse and it's under demonic influence. That's why before Jesus ascended, 
In Acts chapter 1, the disciples said, when will you restore the kingdom back unto Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the season, but go to the city of Jerusalem and be endued with power from on high. So they, they know there's coming. They knew there was coming a time when the kingdom would be restored in the earth. And that's what they were focusing on. He said, no, 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 that's, that's not now, that's not relative. You go to Jerusalem, you stay there till you receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Because he said, you're going to have to have this power to fight this demonic power. Well, everyone in the political realm wants power. The Democrats want it, the Republicans want it. And the Islam, the Sunnis want it, the Shiites want it. Uh, you've always had this. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they've all wanted power. Well, it's the wrong kind of power. It's corrupt power that they're coveting. And, of course, the power that the Antichrist receives is a corrupt power. And where does he get that power from? He gets it from the devil. He gives him his seat, his power, and his great authority. So when I listen to, to Trump... I see the exact opposite of a man that's not trying to uh, build a global system of sorts. He, he's, he's pulling back from that. He said there's no global flag, there is no global currency. Folks, that's telling you something. He would be against the Antichrist and against the spirit of Satanism and those who are seeking that kind of power. And as I said before the break, this is how we get our liberties down here at the grassroots because Cyrus was anointed by God, not anointed to be a preacher, not anointed to be a prophet, but anointed in Isaiah 45 too, he was anointed for the purpose of being the one to allow Nehemiah, Ezra, them to go back to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild. God, I believe, is giving us a rebuilding time. And I personally, you know, I turned 62 uh, last week. I don't want to squander this opportunity from God. You know, Psalms 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We need to be very judicious with what God has afforded us because, as I said, God discriminates whether people like that uh, idea or not. Uh, he discriminated between the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The five wise entered in. The door was shut. The five foolish came and they knocked on the door. He said, depart from me. I know people don't like that kind of uh, Bible teaching, but I, I didn't make the teaching. I didn't, I didn't make up the rules. You know, this is, this is God's doing. And uh, this is where deception creeps in that, you know, he's a God of love, love, grace, grace. But wait a minute. He's also a God of justice and a God of judgment. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Look at the fruit of a man's doings. Now, I, unless God were to open my eyes, I cannot see any man's heart. I'm not talking about his cardio heart. I'm talking about his spiritual heart. Because I do not know a man's heart, I then have to rely on the man's fruit. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. In uh, Matthew seven fifteen sixteen. 
But Jesus also said something, and I think I shared this some time ago in Matthew 12 and 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. Now, when you hear the First Lady publicly, that was a conflict of uh, state and church, when she read the Lord's Prayer. But that tells me, if I had to judge her by her fruit, I'd say, that's a good tree. When I hear him quoting 1 John three sixteen, I have to look at the tree and say, that's a good tree, that's good fruit. Until I see something different, I cannot, you know, get on the bandwagon and start being negative. I see a lot of positive. You know, some people see the glass half full, some see it half empty. I want to see it according to the Word of God. Just just how is it? I didn't, I didn't make the rules. I didn't make the guidelines. I'm not the one said, you know, uh, except you become born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say that. God said that. Jesus said that. Jesus set the guidelines. And uh, we have to go by those guidelines. And so this is why it is imperative today. I, I, I pled the blood of Jesus over Donald Trump. I, I, I asked God, according to Psalms 103, I said, God, command your angels to go forth and guard and protect the man. Because these Satanists, and that's all these people are, these people, these globalists, are nothing but Satanists. They use the term globalist, but they're Satanists because this is the spirit of Antichrist to bring in a new world order and a one world government. I mean, that that's the whole thing behind all of this. Uh, but he said in Psalms 103.20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And I said, God, give commandment to your angels to go and protect him. And I asked that the spirit of grace would guide him and order his steps. Because we all know if Hillary Clinton had become the president, we would have been... There's just no telling how how, it, how bad it would have gotten. And, and again, I don't know how long this is going to last. I, I don't know what will be done. I just know he's a man. My faith is not in the man. My faith is in God. But, you know, Doug, you asked me a question last week about Israel. Did, did God put them there? Did man put them there? My answer was both. Yep. You, you see, because you said it in the, in the program a little bit ago, God is in control of everything. Psalm 75 and 7 says he pulls one down and he sets up another one. He does that. Yeah, we went to the ballot boxes and we voted, but I have to use a little bit of common sense here. What Donald Trump done was impossible. I mean, it was impossible. I mean, these people hate this man with a passion. And so when you look at who's hating him, be careful you don't cast your lot with those same people. You know, and, and I'm not bragging on the man, I'm not lauding the man, I'm not stoling the man. I just see God giving us an opportunity through the highest level of government in this nation, the presidency. And he did it with Cyrus, he did it with Pharaoh, he used Pharaoh to house, to clothe, to feed, and to grow a nation called Israel. And then in their exodus, he gave them the silver, the gold, and the fine linen. God did that, but a man did it too. See, uh, Proverb 21.1, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. God is doing it, but he's using a man to do it. You know, uh, I preach the gospel. It's God's word, 
but I'm a man that's preaching his word. So it's both. It's, it works on both parts. God's doing it. I'm doing my part. And so we all do our part. And that's why it's imperative that we don't uh, become complacent right now or become apathetic and say, well, let's just go on and forget. You know, I, I think the stock market crossed 21,000 today. Yeah, that's absurd. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> that's scary. You know? <laughs> that is scary. I mean, it reminds me, I think it's done past the Nikkei now. I mean, you know, we used to see that thing up around twenty-five or 26,000. It was absurd. And, and so, you know, I think back to the Mark Taylor prophecy. Donald Trump oh, yeah. would become president. He would appoint five Supreme Court justices, and the dollar would become the strongest currency in the world. Well, folks, we know as the dollar gets stronger, metals are going to go down. Now, there may be variations of that because of what is done in this economy in America, what he's able to accomplish as far as this first uh, initiative of tax cuts, regulations, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, i got to give Mark Taylor his, his credit for one thing. He's, he, he, he said publicly, the man would become president, and the man became president. Uh, that's fruit that bore witness that that was not a lie. And now, Will he be able to appoint five Supreme Court justices? I don't know. Uh, the dollar obviously has become stronger in the last little while, and the Dow's over 21,000. All of this is just total uncertainty to me. You know, this is why our faith, our hope, and our trust must remain in God and not a man. But let me tell you, when God is using a man, I'm going to ride the wave. When Moses' hands were lifted up by Aaron and her. Joshua was able to defeat the Amalekites. And he rode the wave. It was a spiritual wave by Moses' hands being lifted up. He was able to ride the wave in the natural by defeating those Amalekites. But it was really because of the spiritual wave that Moses was riding when Hur and Aaron held his hands up. And when his hands became heavy and fell down, Joshua began to lose the battle. And, and my reason for saying that is if we will pray for this man uh, and, and ask God to hold his hands up, let's see where God takes. We've had enough bad. Uh, you know, it didn't dawn on the beetle. I heard him say the other day, we spent $6 trillion since George Bush in the Middle East. $6 trillion. We could have built this nation over, he said, almost three times. Yep. Is that astounding or what, Doug? It's it, it, it certainly is because what's been accomplished over there nothing but more turmoil and chaos and more countries falling into war and, and the accounting of that money I'd like to see an accounting of that. Oh, I remember when they were sending the uh, hundred dollar bills by pallet loads to Iraq. Yeah, y'all remember yeah, that? Yeah, one accidentally fell off in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you better be careful, brother. They'll be over there looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not rebuking you, but... <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, rebuke away, Pastor. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's, that, that's, that, that's how cynical this stuff is. But there was a reason behind all of this. I'm telling you, folks, we were at breakneck speed in globalism, and all of a sudden... It stopped or paused for a reason. 
And, you know, if, if God were to give me more insight, I'd be the first to share it to you. I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't know if it's because our children need to be saved. Uh, we need to see some things happen. Because the Bible said in Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and you do minister. Every time you support the Hagmans or me or any other ministry, and every time you pray and every time you fast, and every time you go to the Bible, you know, you're talking about that DVD before the program, Doug. My wife and I watched the whole book of Proverbs tonight before I went on the air. 31 chapters. We watched it. And, and, and it was astounding to listen as Alexander Scorby read that, and he's talking about wisdom. Uh There were so many chapters contiguously talking about wisdom, how precious it was, how costly it was. With all your wisdom, you know, uh, get understanding. And and, and I just kept listening to it because you're, you're reading it on the screen and you're hearing it. And so it has two ways to get into your spirit through your auditory system or through your visualization. And and I was just, and God knows how many times I've read the book of Proverbs, but it just, it looked different this time about wisdom. And, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, this nation and its leadership has lacked wisdom. You know, wisdom, as my grandpa used to tell me, son, it's just, it's just mere common sense. It's, it's horse sense. It's stable thinking. And, and wisdom is the ability to execute or communicate your knowledge. That's what wisdom allows you to do. Wisdom is like empirical knowledge. It's experience. Uh, you know to be quiet. You, you know to say something. Or you know to just be, just be still and don't do anything. Uh, there's a verse in the Old Testament. I believe it's in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, he's admonishing a man to be as still as a rock. You know, a rock is very still. It, you know, if it's sitting on the ground, it won't move unless there's an earthquake. And sometimes we need to be as still as a rock. And, and don't move, don't do anything. You know, Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And uh, there's a time to work, a time to pray, a time to fast. There's a time to be still. There's a time to listen. There's a time to build. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. You know, there's this is an unusual time. And uh, people have been seeking God. I, I thought about the 80s so much because Ronald Reagan became the president. He declared the Bible to be the book of the year in 1984, and the churches were booming in the 80s. I know I was a part of it. I was preaching all over the United States, and I took my first church uh, in 1986. We grew exponentially, but then we had the two debacles with the two ministers who failed that had, had the public's eye unbelievably. And my fear is... We can't handle a blessing. We can't handle prosperity. You know, Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 9, he said, Lord, he said, feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? You know, the church at Laodicea is rich, it's increased with goods, and it says it has need of nothing. This could be a great time of blessing on this nation. But the problem is, just like with Israel, when God blesses, they, they turned their back on God. He sent leanness into their soul. They didn't seek his counsel. They didn't seek his wisdom. Read, read Psalms 106 tonight, if you want to, before you go to bed, about how that they didn't wait on God's direction, how they lusted, how they tempted God. It says he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. I, I don't want to 
I don't want to abuse this blessing. I want to embrace this blessing with humility. I think we all need to be humble. We need to be strong. We need to be determined. Our foreheads need to be like flint and, and not balk, not roll over and play dead. But as Paul said in Ephesians 6.10, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is where we have to be right now, strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And in Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can do whatever needs to be done if we acknowledge God. And I appreciate Melania and him at least acknowledging the word of God. God will honor that. Yeah, and, um, you know, again, we see the, the pushback against that. Um, you mentioned that Melania's prayer earlier. We saw, you know, the media, uh, some of the media taking her to task uh, for what she was reading, how she was reading it. And um, yesterday, uh, Pastor, the State of the Union address, um, with our, our last guest, Josh Kaplan, we talked about some of the headlines that came out of there from uh, especially the more unifying ones where we had media outlets that constantly attacked Trump and his policies from CNN to MSNBC talk about how Donald Trump yesterday became more presidential and you know how he how he made his mark and, and was very succinct and um, gave a good message across the board uh, do you see a, a possibility for, for some type of unification between the, the two parties uh, not really because they're, this is the devil's crowd, and they're not going to give up this ground. I, I would love to see reconciliation. There's no doubt about it. We need it terribly bad. But these people hate him with a passion. And why do they hate him so bad? Because he's standing for righteousness. Now, you've heard me say this. What does righteousness mean? The first five letters, R-I-G-H-T, just do the right thing. He is nothing more than a man. He's just trying to do the right thing. Will he succeed? Only as much as we pray for him and ask God to cover him and the people work with him. But, I no, I don't see them cooperating. It wouldn't shock me if he is just a one-term president. He could be a two-term president, but as soon as he's out, uh, I, I can see the liberal mindset. Uh, we're blessed, everything's going good, and the heck with God and Christianity and, and back to our old ways. And that's what Israel did was called backsliding. They slid backwards back into their old paganism, worshiping the heathen gods and embracing their doctrines. And, you know, just like Trump said last night, Islam, we got to eradicate ISIS. You're hearing things said that's not politically correct. The guy has not been groomed to be a president. I mean, his speech, like Peter, betrays him. You know, he doesn't speak with political correctness. I mean, these guys amaze me when they can be hit out of the blue, out of a question, and how they can diffuse that question in a half a second. And it's like, you know, you're waiting for some smackdown, and it's just diffused because they're politicians. They're, they're, they're smooth talkers. And you, know, you can hit them with your best shot, and they'll diffuse that thing because they're groomed psychologically. I believe it's demon possession more than anything else. But psychologically, they're groomed to diffuse that question and move it uh, off and compartmentalize it and, 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 and change the topic. You know, why? No, because yeah, of political actually, correctness. It, it would be certainly great if we had farmers, blue-collar workers, factory workers in Congress as yeah. opposed to these professional politicians. Uh, how refreshing would that be? Pastor, you've closed out the program. 
Thank you, wow. sir. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, your gift of time, gift of knowledge, and information and inspiration, as we call it. Well, thank, thank you so much. Folks. Everyone have a blessed week, and do pray for our president. Amen to that. Everybody have Pastor a great David. week. God bless you all. Thank you, sir. Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Visit his website, folks. Uh, I'll be on Alex Jones tomorrow, 2 o'clock, yeah, InfoWars, 2 o'clock. And um, at least that's the time right now. That's my understanding. So, um, Until and, tomorrow? Yeah, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Thank you. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening.